Hi there, and thanks for tuning in to the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You're about to listen to another proud presentation brought to you by Revenge Lover Designs. Stand out from the crowd. For more information, visit revengelover.com and mention the podcast for 10% off of your order. Today on Ranger Command Power Hour. There's some climate change report that's basically saying scientists are practically screaming at the world. Like, if we don't do something drastic within the next 20 years to keep our global warming under wraps, we're going to do some, like, really bad damage to the Earth. Uh, I thought you were saying we only had 20 years left. You're saying we have to make a change (laughs) within the next 20 years. Yeah. That's somewhat better. It is a little bit better, but yeah, it's more like any of the next generation, like anyone who's having kids right now, their kids are going to have growing up in a Rick or really environment, basically. So make friends with Jake Gyllenhaal now. What? (laughs) What? Wasn't that movie? Oh my God. What is it called? Day, day, day after tomorrow, right? Yeah. Where he just like stops the flood by closing the door. Like that's no problem. I just close this door. It's like when the dog jumps into that. In, in Independence Day, <laughs> when that dog's like, "Don't worry, I just jump into this cubby hole," and for some reason, the flame doesn't go in this cubby hole because that's how flame works. <laughs> Media and news is these days, and it's like they pick a topic and they just beat it until it's like a bloody mule. <laughs> right? Yeah. Hey guys, yeah. welcome to Ranger Command. <laughs> <clears throat> I'm just, I'm gonna get started. <clears throat> Put on your major command voice, dude. Let's do this. All right, thing. yeah, let's do this. All right, time mm. to get sultry. <laughs> hey, no. <laughs> All right, that, that's Ranger talk after after dark. Yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that's the Ranger command after dark voice. Okay, the, the Ranger talk, the uh, pillow talk, Ranger edition. <laughs> oh, I like that. Oh, okay. <clears throat> <laughs> and now on Ranger Command Power Hour. It's the Ranger Command Power Hour! Today on the Power Hour, episode 126, Ranger Merch Review, Boom Studios Power Ranger Comics Part 5, Shattered Grid Finale, plus, at the end of the episode, the Enway Making of Hyperforce Yellow Ranger segment. And this is recorded on October 8th, 2018. Welcome to the Ranger Command Power Hour on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. Summer Ranger up with your hosts. I'm Eric, also known as Trekkie B47, and I'm joined by... I'm Chris, also known as Long's Toys. Hey, I'm Jeremy Treese. And I'm Derek. Today's podcast is brought to you by Gamefly.com. Sign up for a premium free 30-day one-game-out trial specifically for our listeners at GameflyOffer.com slash RangerCommandPH. Also, thanks to our $5 and above patrons, Juan S., Doug F., Christopher M., Teresa B., Derek over here, Tyler W., and Jacob P. for supporting us this month. All right. Hey, guys. What's going on, buddy? Hey, so, yeah, pre-show, which I'm probably going to cut a lot out. Uh, We got some things (laughs) off our chest. And now we're ready to talk some comics. I don't know about you guys, but... I was pretty excited about the whole Shattered Grid finale, and Jeremy, thanks for coming back. You were on the first two parts of our Boom Studios comics reviews, and Chris and Derek, you were on part four, so Mm -hmm. I'm glad we kind of assembled the gang back together to to talk some comics. It's more like the Planeteers, man. Yes, we are. We we need a fifth member for this podcast, and then we can summon Captain Planet. 
But first, we, we do have a couple news items. Uh, both of these dropped today as we're recording. First of all, have you guys been seeing like this constant stream of Beast Morphers like onset pictures? Yeah, I've, yeah. Uh, I I really like seeing some of the I don't know the monster fights with the stunt choreography like that stuff in, is interesting to me like the behind the scenes kind of stuff. Yeah, but when it starts coming to get these like these leaks that are like this is this character this is who he is and this is what's coming out like I want to pull back from that personally because I want to be surprised in the show you know. Yeah, I do too, to an extent. And what's crazy to me is it, I feel like we're getting so much so soon. And I glanced at one video and you can tell, I mean, it's just some random person, but it's like they're walking between the camera and them setting up. And I'm like, how is production like not saying, Hey, maybe get the hell out of here. Or I don't know if they're like that, like laid back about it when they're just doing some setups. It's just crazy that all this stuff seems to be like leaking out. And these close up pictures that we're getting that we really haven't had before. Yeah. I'm wondering if it's maybe something Hasbro is okay with just because they would rather promote it and get people excited for it ahead of time. So maybe it's something that they don't really mind happening, or maybe it could be specifically because this is their first go. So maybe you won't always see this, but maybe it's just this first time just to generate buzz. I don't know. Is it to generate buzz or if they, are they just like not knowing where to secure the, the shoots and everything? Mm-hmm. Or did they previously use dummy names for the production filming and stuff like that? So people wouldn't be, oh, this is where the Beast Morphers are going to be today. And this we're going over to this part. You know what I mean? The, the misdirect. Well, how much of the production team is actually different? Like, I know the writing team carried over, and obviously, like, the actual executives are different. Yeah, so, like, I feel like there's probably not a ton of changeover with the production team where they're, like, not going to know how to secure sets anymore, you know? Like, that seems kind of weird. Maybe it's just a strategy where maybe Hasbro said, hey, you know, if there's some locals around, let them take some pictures. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I was thinking, too. But I wanted to point out the the specific pick that i put in the show notes and i'll uh, link it when this episode goes live there was like three big things that just in this picture um the first the guy kind of putting on blue's helmet if you look at the original size picture and you look at the guy's leg um it's an alpha stunts logo and for those that don't know alpha stunts uh, is the stunt team that was originated by koichi sakamoto that he was a part of and they were part of Power Rangers in New Zealand since Ninja Storm through RPM. And I guess when uh, the Neo Saban era happened, they were using a different stunt team. So some people were pointing out that the fights have been a little bit more generic since then. So the fact that we have Alpha Stunts back in the mix, and I don't know, maybe this guy worked for Alpha Stunts and he's just wearing their pants and it could still be a new production <laughs> team. I don't know. We have you no fired confirmation. fired me, but I'm taking that pass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but even if that's the case, if it's just one person from Alpha Stunts, or they just got Alpha Stunts back, already that means I think Beast Morphers is going to have some really intense action. Yeah, and uh, with some of the like shots on Instagram that I've seen the video, they recently uh, put out the morphing call. Mm-hmm. And that and they were doing some of the stunt choreography for one of the villains in the park and it looked really good from what i could tell so that generated hype for me 
mm-hmm. the behind the scenes stuff. So I'm really excited to see what's going on this season. Yeah, me too. The next thing that you can take away from this picture, they're all on like BMX stunt bikes. <laughs> and part of me is like, God, I hope this isn't some dumb sequence where they're all just like chasing the bad guy on bikes. Uh, but I can't tell. It's like I can almost see, but it, are they color coded? <laughs> they're not. not. I think they're look all like it now. No, yeah. they're all the same bike. Maybe they'll be like CGI'd over or something. I mean, they don't have motion capture things on it, so I don't know. I don't really know exactly how that works. Or I'm thinking, is this their transportation to the next set? <laughs> they just bike over to the next action scene. Maybe, they, oh, maybe. that's true. Actually, hopefully, like, something like that. Maybe they uh, like Hasbro is coming out with some of those like finger bikes. Like you know how oh, they had the little <laughs> skateboards. Oh my god! <laughs> so they're going to bring those back. Like you know, no charge. Or Ninja Steel had like the fidget spinner idea thing, oh, but we crashed. Didn't do very well. <laughs> they just hit the budget for the show really early, so they're like, "All right, guys, get these bikes. This is what you're riding around." In. And then I saw someone on Twitter say, "Okay, uh, Beast Morphers," and then they have Morph X BMX, and uh, <laughs> like it all makes sense. Like they made a joke tweet. God. <laughs> I just don't want these bikes to show up in the episode. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It, it looks like a cheesy 80s movie. Like, does anyone remember Rad? No. Yeah. I did, like, that? BMX bike tricks in the prom. It was ridiculous. It was, like, the quintessential 80s movie. With... Is that, like, the, the bike version of, like, Gleaming the Cube or something? <laughs> or, like, Airborne or yeah. any of those kinds of movies. Oh, jeez. Uh, yeah, if... like, they're all just, like, like, they're a bike gang. They just ride around and ask kids for their lunch money. Of course. What if they are riding bikes in civilian form, just like doing their thing, and they morph while they're still on the bike, and then they'll have a cool stunt where they're like jumping off the bike after they morph? I, I can forgive that. Yeah, I would totally be down for that. The insta-morph on a bike, I don't think we've seen stuff like that yet. Yeah, yeah, but why are they riding bikes? I mean, presumably they're in high school or college or something, <laughs> depending on how old they are. You're, you're allowed to ride bikes when you're in high school or college. Yeah, but not those kind of bikes. Those are like 10-year-old bikes. <laughs> they, they do look rather small. I'm, I'm not yeah, going to lie. Definitely for young yeah. kids. I don't know. The guy on the left, he's like super serious looking. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, I'm going to ride the heck out of this bike. Okay, well, speaking about the guy on the left, and that's the, the next observation, a lot of people were saying that this might be the stunt double for Colby that his character blaze and someone like zoomed in on the thing that he has on his wrist. And that's pretty much what enter had in his morphed form. So a lot of people are jumping to the conclusion that blaze is our enter equivalent from go busters. And I like the suit. I like his tiger stripe type thing with the spikes. I don't know. It looks cool. Yeah. Yeah, it could be all right. Nobody commented on, like, the trash bag or whatever the guy all the way to the right is wearing, the guy who's up in blue with his helmet. That's what I'm most interested in. No, I what? think he's, he's just wearing a jacket, but I think he's, like, bent over weird. Yeah. Like, that's, yeah. It just looks like such a weird material that it's made out of. It looks like a black trash bag to me. <laughs> uh, yeah, don't you know? That's the new fashion style is black trash in, bags. In New Zealand. Yeah. In New Zealand. Yeah. Makeshift poncho. It starts raining. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, raining on that beautiful blue sky I know, right? day. <laughs> couldn't be a more picturesque sky. But yeah, a lot of stuff is being posted lately on social media about filming. And 
I'm kind of of the mind like, yeah, I want to see less of this because I do want to be surprised. Yeah. It's impossible to avoid to a certain extent, but yeah, still trying to avoid it as much as possible. Absolutely. So thanks for the spoiler. <laughs> oh, well, <laughs> too late. <laughs> <laughs> well, our next piece of news and last piece of news, the 43rd season Super Sentai trademark was released today, and it's Kishi Ryu Sentai Ryu, Ryu Soldier, or Dragon... Ryu Soldier. Huh? Ryu Soldier. Ryu Soldier. Close <laughs> <laughs> enough. Chris, why don't you do the honors of saying the full name? I probably won't even get it right, but as, uh, if I had to guess, Kishiryu Sentai Ryu Soldier. God but bless again, you. I, <laughs> I don't want to come off like I know what I'm talking about. Which is Dragon <laughs> Knight Sentai Ryu Soldier. And Ryu is for dragon, so... And you can make all the common Rider Dragon Knight jokes that you want, but I guess we're getting like knights and dragons in, in Super Sentai next year i'm excited about that that sounds really awesome i'm in i immediately went to can we please make this a mystic four sequel season (laughs) and just have dagron come back as the mentor and just get john tui in there and train like the next generation of of knights let's go (laughs) well to be fair we I might not see this as Power Rangers for like five years. years. <laughs> so we'll see how John Dewey's holding up by then. I'm very kind of trepidatious on the Dragon Knights and the Knights and the Dragons and all that stuff. This sounds really awesome. I was really hooked on the Constellation idea. Mm-hmm. And then I saw the mech and I, <laughs> I was so turned off about it. And I haven't even watched an episode of, of, of that. Q-Ranger. Yes. And so I'm holding my reservations on this. I don't want to get too excited because I was so crushed about how bulbous and bulky those mech were. And I'm like, everybody, when Hasbro was coming to quote unquote save the day, they were talking about the adaptation for it. And I just kept fearing the (laughs) American release of those toys, man. And having Bandai America create that, it felt right to end that relationship. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) I don't mean to offend anybody that really likes it, but I'm glad that that went that way. (laughs) (laughs) Sounds really cool, but I I can't wait to see more of the design stuff. Oh, yeah. I mean, the the name could be cool as hell and the concept looked really lame, but it's just interesting to me to see... Uh, Japan maybe take on some kind of medieval-looking mystical thing again. Because it's, it's been a long time since we had magic in Sentai, at least on a... Yeah. a minute. Yeah. Yeah. They always do dragons really well. I mean, I like the Q-Ranger, the Rio Voyager and Q-Ranger Q oh too. Oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> that was, that's my favorite one out of that. But, I mean, even even before that, every dragon... Dragon Zord, every dragon-type like uh, mecha they've ever done has been pretty cool, so... Yeah, you're I'm right. About they that. all have been cool. Yeah, do you yeah. Think I was going to say multiple this season. Do you think we're going to get multiple dragons, or is oh it my just god, gonna... I hope so. I'd be down that for that. Totally <laughs> my dream. <laughs> what if they like combine to like some like weird hydra? Oh, dude. <laughs> 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 like... that, well, wouldn't wouldn't it look like that three headed dragon transformer from the fifth movie? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
I was going to say, you never know what kind of dragon you're going to get. You're either going to get like a European medieval dragon, which is like, you know, the arms, oh, legs, and wings on like the back, or like a Chinese dragon. They can do all of them now. They could. Sea dragon. Show the diversity, man. Like, we could play yeah. event, like all different cultures coming together and all oh. their dragons. Now you're building me up to like this thing. This <laughs> <laughs> not be as cool. Look, dragons are cool, so I think <laughs> you can't you can't deny that. Yeah, you can even have like a Komodo dragon, just like because you need another one. <laughs> <laughs> he, he's like the tiniest Zord out of all of them. Yeah, he just like turns into one of the Megazord's feet. <laughs> it's it's got to be auxiliary Zord at that point. You can't you can't make it awesome? I mean, you could probably uh, a, a dragon fly. See. Oh, yeah. Just abstract with it. Anything with dragon. What do you guys think the gimmick would be? I think Liars. Fire. Did you just say fire? No, I said lighters. Like lighters? Like big lighters or something. I actually could like totally see that. (laughs) Do you guys remember the Darkwing Duck toys? Like when Darkwing Duck came out? You know uh, Megavolt? Yes. Like, that was the only toy I had in that whole line. That was, like, one of my earliest purchases at Toys R Us. And it had, like, the sparky thing on the back. Yes! I remember you, that! Yeah, you would just take it and you'd do that. So I can totally see them doing something like that. But then it was recalled because people were <laughs> like trying to set things on fire with it. Yeah, because it was basically a piece of flint to make the sparks. Yeah, if you had gas, you'd have a lighter. <laughs> No, that'd be cool. I I have no idea what the what possibly that they could do for gimmicks at this point. I I feel like they've done everything. They're just gonna do something out of left field too. Like oh yeah, USB drives or like uh, you you get like a slinky or something like. <laughs> <laughs> like I I, I, I don't know totally anymore. Random. Like I think. You know, something's going to be cool, and it's like, oh, they could do this, they could do that, but then they come out with the peas, and, like, that was, like, their, I don't know about best gimmick, but most profitable gimmick. Oh, for sure. I think, for sure, is those uh, Ranger keys. Mm -hmm. You know, I still feel like they could just keep continuing to piss people off and bring more out over and over. I would buy them, because I have all of them. I would buy them. Right. They would have me for life if they kept doing that. That's another one of the things that I didn't like was the Kutama. They all looked the same, and they had just different color and different. Oh man, like, logos you you like, and I are so opposite on Q Ranger. It's not even. <laughs> <funny. laughs> well, well, think about it, dude. Your name is Trekkie B four seven, so you're all about space and yeah, exploration and all these things. And so, like, you have this deep seated rooted thing in you. And so that's why I was like, no offense to anybody that really oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> but for me, I feel like it's just too much of the same thing over sure. and over. And I couldn't buy into that. Mm-hmm. Like the Ranger keys, they had individuality. They, they were like little tiny figures. So that was kind of cool. And you can move their hands up and they can cheer for you. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone raise your hands. <laughs> <laughs> right. And then you have yeah. to like chase the crazy like movie sets or the legendary set, oh and God. like those things got expensive. They, they got expensive AF. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. For Resoger, I think they'll probably do like a sword changer, 
That's my guess. Ooh. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if they each had, like, a broadsword. Because traditionally, like, you either get a gun, a sword, or a changer. And so, like, they either do, right. like, a, a gun changer, a sword changer, or like a the wrist gun changer and the sword are together. So, yeah, they take those three things and they make two items out of it. So, oh. however they pair them up. You're right, because Q-Ranger had a gun and a sword changer. And a cane changer with the purple ranger. <laughs> that turned into a rifle, to be fair. So it oh. was still technically a gun. That's true. And you can use a cane <laughs> like a sword. So, yeah. yeah. So there we go. And uh, now, Lupin Ranger, uh, ranger also had a, a gun changer. So I think they're due for either a standalone changer or a sword changer at this point. Or Magic Ranger had they like contrasted their magic with a cell phone, Ooh. so <laughs> these guys could have a cell phone, but it can be a smartphone, and Please, they oh, can either no. slide to un- they can slide to unlock or like use their fingerprint to unlock it, and that's how. No. They <laughs> You're killing me over here. I'm, I'm so over the cell phone thing. <laughs> I hate I hate cell phone morphers with a fiery passion. I'm a really big fan of braces. Yeah, like so anything like braces or. Anything like buckles or anything like that, I'm all about not having it have to be a thing uh, that exists. I guess. Yeah, um, I agree. I love morphers that like aren't an actual thing in the real world. They're their oh, own yeah. like really cool kind of design and everything. Now, what would be really sweet if we went along like different dragons from different cultures? Then the sword changers could be reflective of whatever culture. Ooh, that's neat. Right. That's a neat idea, yeah. Yeah, like medieval broadsword, like a Chinese, like one of those like wispy type swords and wherever other dragons are. <laughs> <laughs> All the dragons. You ever wonder how far along they are with the design process for the show after they file their trademarks? Are they mining us for information right now? <laughs> I, I wouldn't I be so. surprised. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, that's it with the news. Uh, We're going to get deep into our comics review. We are reviewing the last few issues of MMPR uh, for Shattered Grid, which is issue 28, uh, 29, 30, and also the Shattered Grid finale. And we're also taking a look at GoGo Power Rangers 11 and 12. And if we have time... Uh, We'll review the anniversary special, but we can always leave that because I forgot to add like Go Go Power Rangers back to school, but we can do the specials at a later date. In fact, we will do that. We won't do. (laughs) (laughs) I'm editing as I. Spontaneous decision making. Yes. Yes. So, yeah, first off, I'm going in chronological order of, of when they were released. So MMPR issue 28 for me was pretty cool because the issue before they all kind of split off into their own side missions. Like, uh, that's when Jason hooked up with Lauren and they went to Corinth. And now we see the other part of the team split up with Jen and Kim. So let's talk about what your guys' thoughts are on this whole sequence with Jen and Kim. They had some good dialogue and I liked how it was kind of like a, it was a mirror to what, was going on with Jason and Lauren. And I mean, here you are, you know, you got two Rangers sitting in a cockpit again, just kind of talking it out. And one of the things I appreciated was, was that Kim was just asking Jen all these questions 
about her headaches and reacclimating to the timeline because originally when Shattered Grid started, Kim just wanted Jen to go back in time and like correct the whole thing. So I'm glad that there was little references to Alec. Yeah. Well, I loved how they, I mean, like, yeah, like with referencing to Alex and everything, they really tied it into the whole like lesson and theme of time force in general that Jen would have learned by this point. Right. Um, just, I mean, cause that whole season was just about not being able to change your destiny or if you can or can't do it and kind of that whole conversation. But ultimately the idea that, you know, you kind of have to have to live with the decisions that you make. And it's really cool that this comic sort of distilled that into just this one really brief conversation. And also the stuff with Alex uh, was always, I feel like pr- pretty kind of vague in, in the show time force yes. proper. Um, like it was always like you just kind of assume that there was some weird timeline thing, but you never really knew like did he just not die or did time change or whatever. And I like that they at least kind of addressed that a little bit that Jen kind of recognized that it is kind of vague and you just kind of have to deal with that. That's like the whole nature of the universe, which ends up foreshadowing the ending. Yeah. And it, it brings up this great concept of that. There's a temporal paradox and, and her mind is coming to terms with everything And once we get to the end of Shattered Grid, I feel like if they don't remember what happened in Shattered Grid, will some of those memories peak back? We we don't even know. Yeah. But it's this neat little thread that I think uh, Kyle Higgins planted. Yeah. And then they save a whole bunch of people. They save (laughs) uh, uh, Caron, uh, which uh, Jen actually wasn't expecting. They... uh, she thought they were going to get Kendricks. We get this great uh, shot of all the other Rangers that they've rescued. Carter from Lightspeed Rescue, Gia and Noah from Megaforce, RJ from Jungle Fury, Kira from Dino Thunder, and Kendall and Coda from Dino Charge. So pretty great mix when I first read this. I love RJ and how he's just kind of chilling out. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, I've just been here forever. Thanks for showing up, guys. And I'm just going to do my cool guy thing over yeah. here. Because, like, I feel like that you don't see that in the show at all. You see RJ as being either really goofy or really bad. You don't get to see him very, like, I'm chill. I'm cool. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing how great Danielle's art is in this and that he can convey those types of emotions wordlessly with just uh, uh, how they're posed yeah they're in a suit like they can't make facial expressions either so he's able to just do it with strictly body language which is really impressive mm-hmm. yeah and you, like i'm looking at uh gia's uh, helmet right now and without being able to see her face you can just tell what her face looks like <laughs> underneath yeah her. and it's so powerful and i think that's also complemented by uh like the red accents of the lighting mm-hmm. on it so that props to the colorist on that as well. Oh yeah. I mean, the, every issue is like a freaking masterpiece with shattered grid. It, it really is. Seriously. Right. One thing I want to point out when they finally show like Carter and all of them, I just love, even in the dialogue that they nail the personalities because Noah's like yeah. a dingus here. And he's like, well, uh, <laughs> it's the best sword of the Mor- mighty Morphin team. Obviously it can fly. And Carter's just like, yeah, okay. And then <laughs> I just, I anyway. love that because you can totally so hear good. these characters. Yeah. And I love that Kyle is, he's really good about still having these little bits of humor in a really otherwise like super dark story. 
Um, like it's still really super fun to read and legitimately funny when it when it needs to be. Yeah, and then the fact that you know they bring Crone back onto the ship and Carter's immediately into rescue mode. He's like, "Hey, I'm a firefighter. You know, I at least have some basic training in medical." So uh, it's just it's little details like that and and remembering you know what these rangers' roles are when they're not rangers is really important. And then they teased it in the last issue, but this is just full on this gorgeous spread of the full on battle of Corinth. And my God, I wish this was blown up poster size <laughs> that I could just hang up somewhere. This is gorgeous. Yeah. You got the full on RPM Rangers against all the sentries and just beautiful shot of Korag here too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And you, you can almost feel the the power that he's about to unleash on the charge. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's incredible. Even though this is a, a static page, you can feel the movement in every single one of these characters. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lot of energy that it's about. It's like you feel like it's about to explode. Like I'm about to turn this page, and there's just going to be tons of explosion, sparks flying, everything about Power Rangers that an action person that wants to soak in all that stuff is about to happen. Oh yeah. You got the Tyrannosaurus just kind of stomping in here and, and doing their thing. <laughs> yeah, he's totally like photobombing though. <laughs> the guy his mouth is open, he's like, ah Hey guys. <laughs> I even like that they included and it was something I, I didn't notice on, on the first go around. Um but I did like that they included Gem and Gemma covering air support in their Zords. Because that's what they did during their introduction in the series. I like that they're using their full resources to counteract Draken's forces. Mm-hmm. So we get more about Dr. K trying to fix their all, all their morphers. And again, one of the great things uh, here and, and why Lauren is so cool in this. I love whenever she does like the burnout maneuver because uh, it looks so freaking cool <laughs> in this comic. And then you got a squad. They're all battling some really great moments with the battle of Corinth. Uh, then we also switch to the coinless world and we get a really nice moment with future Zach and our Zach. Yeah, it was nice. I just like that. They're referencing all the stuff that's happened previously in the comics. When coinless Zach told Zach in a previous issue that he should tell them about uh, Rita's offer and, and so this was a nice catch-up moment to bring the two characters, the future and past, together. And for me, this is one of the highlights of Shattered Grid Live at Paramorphicon that Walter Jones was able to kind of do like a younger Zach voice as well as a gruffer future one. <laughs> yeah, he did a fantastic job. Yeah. And their whole plan revolves around putting their faith in Skull, which <laughs> is, is pretty funny. Yeah, <laughs> you wouldn't have thought at the beginning of this whole arc when everything's going down. Who are we going to rely <laughs> to help take down Dragon? It's Skull. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's pretty funny, but it won't be funny in a couple issues or next <laughs> issue. That's the genius thing about it mm-hmm. is you think it's going to be this hilarious thing. But it's actually very impactful, mm-hmm. and you, it's endearing. 
And you you go through this journey with this character that on screen was just comic relief. And it's not, not saying that it's a waste of time, but I don't know anybody that went to Power Rangers after school trying to watch the show on Fox Kids. And they're like, man, I can't wait to Skull shows up. <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, they're sure that sure. there are people out there that were, but the majority of there for that. <laughs> but I feel like the the comic actually does a really amazing mm-hmm. job pulling its resources from everywhere. And I know it seems like a little bit here and we're laughing about Skull, but the proven fact from a great writer like Kyle Higgins on this property. And I feel like we're totally blessed to have him on this doing what he did. Oh yeah, absolutely. We also see uh, Draken back in action and he takes out most of the RPM Rangers, but he grabs Summer's Morpher and she instantly demorphs. And I just like his, oh, I don't have one of you yet. (laughs) It just makes him like this sadistic, just collector of morphers. But what happens on the next two pages is epic because we have all the Rangers that they rescued plus Commander Kruger and the entire B squad unmorphed, unmorphed, and they're kicking ass. And I, I'm here for all of this. Yeah, we, we didn't know that this was going to be a big page for you at all. <laughs> <laughs> I really like this shot, just that top shot. And if for anyone that's played Halo, those are two Halo Pelicans from the Halo series right. as the dropship. I thought they looked familiar. Yeah. Ah. So it, it was one of those things I tweeted at, at Daniele and I'm like, are these what I'm thinking they are? And he was pretty much like, yeah, he's like, I, yeah. I snuck them in. <laughs> uh, so I, I thought that was pretty cool, but no, I, I just like that they continued from what happened during the annual where yeah, the B squad kicked Draken's ass and now they're back. I really like that. But then he blasts everyone else and everyone else demorphs. And this is the first time we're seeing how they're drawn uh, in the comic. And I have to say, all the likenesses are pretty well done. Yeah, I agree. They even have like the same clothes that Noah and Gia never get out of, too. Like, on point. <laughs> <laughs> I do like that that Kira is a little different. Uh, But yeah, even Kendall's business sport jacket or whatever. (laughs) We go back to Draken's world, and they're able to rescue Ninjor, who's just kind of in this like brainwashed state because he's got this thing on his head. And I I like that all they have to do is like take this little crown off, and he's, oh, hey, I'm, I'm back to normal. But future Zack makes the ultimate sacrifice. And... At first, you really don't know because they're dressed the same because they're both dressed mm-hmm. as Mastodon sentries. So at first I was like, oh, shit, which Zach is it? But I knew, of course, it couldn't be our Zach, but it, it still sucks. I mean, someone died. Mm-hmm. Your younger self is looking at your older self getting axed. This is like taken out. That's not traumatic at all. Yeah, I wish they explored uh, that a little bit more in this because I feel Zach should have definitely got more uh, play. And I think that's something just from our interview with Kyle that he wanted to have more stories with Zach. Like he was doing something with Zach. So 
Mm-hmm. Hopefully we see more of that in the future. I have no idea because Beyond the Grid's happening now, and it seems like no one else exists now. <laughs> yeah, we're on the field. I'm still trying to figure out how I feel about it. I like where it's going, but... Uh, it's it, hot. Yeah, it's very, it's very different, and it's very different for Power Rangers. So, mm-hmm. yeah. So it's taking some adjustment time. Yeah. We'll definitely unpack that in a bit. But yeah, then without saying any words, you've got when they beam or when they come back out of Draken's palace and and our Zack takes off his helmet and just the look that future Trini gives, like just that look of like absolute terror. Like, yeah, my Zack is gone. Yeah, and he's got that look on his face like, Man, I'm sorry. Yeah, and that's what's so great about what Daniele does is he's able to convey these emotions uh, so perfectly and really one of the big strengths of this entire arc, for sure. Absolutely. I was going to say, you know, something was going to happen because right before they went in, they're like, man, we're going to go save the day and then you can relax and have your life back. And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, this is the uh, school of writing. Just when everything looks like it might be going up, somebody dies. (laughs) All of the rangers are able to uh, teleport out of there because uh, Jason was able to sacrifice the Tyrannosaurus to break the dome. And then we get a parting shot of Draken testing out his new powers and cracking reality a little bit. And, and he's got this smirk at the end to be continued. I just want to say, I didn't remember, like, I didn't remember the whole, exactly the crack part. So when I saw your note in the show notes, it just said Draken's crack. I was like, I did that intentionally. Ah! <laughs> I was going to comment on that as well. Cause it's like Draken's crack. I'm like, huh? And then, then I was thinking about what happens at the end of 30. Oh yeah. 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 And then I was like, no wait, this is too early. <laughs> so overall, I, I think a really uh, solid issue. I, I definitely liked how the, the past two issues of this storyline, both 27 and 28, they had a plan and they executed it. And it might not have been as successful as they wanted, but they kind of accomplished what they needed to, what they set out to accomplish. Yeah. And all four people ended up staying alive more than some of the past teams that Dragon's come up against. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I really didn't know, like when I was reading this at the time, I really didn't know what to think of, Draken being able to break reality a little bit. It wasn't the full blown, but I was thinking, man, if they don't contain this threat soon, uh, it's going to get really crazy. And and it did, as as we'll go on. Mm-hmm. But switching to GoGo Power Rangers issue eleven, uh, which released on the fourth of July, there was definitely some fireworks in in this issue. But what I liked about GoGo Power Rangers is I like that they always do these mini flashbacks in the beginning which is nice because this is already a series that is a prequel to the other series so the fact that they're doing either flashbacks or in the case of shattered grid for go go power rangers they're doing like what lost did with these flash forwards Mm -hmm. but it's it's the past of the character so it's cool because in both series we keep getting exposed to more of the coinless world And I I just think it makes for a a more compelling story. Yeah, I totally agree. So in this, though, we have Kim before she is the Ranger Slayer. She's saving this makeshift hospital, but she ends up finding Matt. And he's got a hand that's gone. 
Uh, he's in really rough shape. Uh, he's got full-on beard mode going on. It's totally Rick Grimes from The Walking Dead. He's <laughs> <laughs> missing a hand. He's got the shag going on. Oh, you know what? I wasn't thinking about that, but uh, yeah, now I can see it. <laughs> But it's crazy because this reunion is so short-lived because he ends up dying in her arms. And this is what kind of sets her on the path to go against Draken. So they're really setting up that whole vendetta. And in the last issue of Go-Go, it kind of ended on this cliffhanger with our Kim confronting uh, Ranger Slayer in the command center. And now we get the full-on fight. And as short as this page is, it still shows how powerful Ranger Slayer is. And she once again does like her signature uh, kick that she did to Goldar, uh, which thankfully made it into Legacy Wars as well. Yeah, I still haven't unlocked that character. It's kind of cheesing me off. (laughs) I'm saying that kind of lightly. I'm super frustrated that I'm not able to get the shards for her yet. Because that's my name on Legacy Wars mm-hmm. is Ranger Slayer, and so I was hoping that they would come out with the character, which I was, you know, pretty sure that they would be dumb not to bring out the Ranger Slayer. But yeah, that move is awesome, and it just shows. I feel like you could feel her pulling all of her punches here as well. Mm. Oh yeah, like not doing her full force because it's her past yeah. self. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I, I love the. Not mockery, but just the like the Spider Man esque kind of commentary with the battle going on. Oh, yeah, that like also shows how like nonchalant this mm. is for her. Like she's just kind of going through motions. She knows herself so well and what she's gotta do just to apprehend herself. For me, I can't help but in my mind as I'm reading this, think of the character's voice or the actor's voice. And it totally reads like a future Kim. Like, yeah, Alpha with his constant whining, I did you a favor. Like, just kind of that, like, sass that, you know, Amy Jo Johnson would bring to the role. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, I can totally see it. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing that I really love about this series and how well that... It's not even that it was research, because it doesn't read like research. It reads like care. Mm-hmm. It reads like... So this person, if you never knew anything about the writers, you can see that they were fans as well because they get it. And that's why I feel like it's so successful. And each page is a page turner because it feels like something you're watching mm-hmm. and you hear it and you can feel what you felt when you watched the show. Yeah, and that's one of the biggest things about Go-Go to me is that Ryan Parrott totally gets it. And I'm glad him and Kyle worked so closely to really weave their two series together as this event was going on. Because even if it's just two comics, it feels like a bigger universe. Yeah, and that that symmetry between the two and being able to pull from each other like that, I feel, I guess the best word I can describe it is respectful for the franchise and that goes a long way with me and i will follow these guys wherever they go after right this franchise 
Yeah, and I've said before on on this podcast that this comic book series of Power Rangers got me back into my comic book shop after many years of not going to a comic shop regularly. And for the past over three years, I've been in my comic shop regularly. My comic book guy knows my name. He knows what I like. He's pre-ordering stuff before I even know it's, it's coming out. And I wouldn't have that type of relationship without this comic because this comic is so good. I have to pick it up when it comes out because I feel like I'm going to miss something. That totally ties back to any time that I've ever heard you talk about you getting into Power Rangers mm-hmm. and going mm-hmm. to a new school and being like the new kid. And, you know, that was your thing that you could connect to people and then you creating that bond and making friends that way. And mm-hmm. so not only did the show do that for you, that this comic book right now is totally doing that as well. And that's, it's magical. And that's why I feel like this is so successful because it feels like power Rangers. And just a side note a bit, you know, New York comic con was this past weekend and I read somewhere. um, I think it was, I just read this article, but they were talking about the like retailer summit and boom made this presentation and they're like 13% above this year, above the comic books industry, like in just in terms of selling comics and, and where they are from a year ago. And they said a, a big part of that was because of, of shatter grid. And I totally believe it. Like if you present a good story like this, people are going to read it and the buzz is going to spread. Yeah. I kept hearing things about uh, people and reading uh, comments but how people had no interest in Power Rangers whatsoever, and they chalked it up to some kid show. And we, we, we find ourselves in that conversation a lot sure. when we tell people that we're a fan of the brand or that's what we collect. And uh, I, ha- I recently had some contractors come do some work in my basement, and that's where I have my office set up. And so I have, like, all these bookshelves, and I have all my pops and all these books and all the Megazords set up, and they were like, Y'all into some kind of transformers? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, something like that, man. The water pipes over here. <laughs> so you always get in that kind of situation where people, you might take this seriously and it means something to you. And I feel like with this comic, it's pulling people in that had no interest in it whatsoever. And I feel like that's one of the greatest gifts that this book can give us is not necessarily an understanding of why we like this stuff, but it legitimizes for me a little bit of going, yeah, that's right. I told you this is cool. (laughs) (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, I, it, that makes me think of like what, what Kyle Higgins has has said, like, like multiple times in, in interviews where he was like saying that he wanted to write it like how, we all remembered it like in our nostalgia, obviously it's, we remember it better than what it actually was. And a little bit more like mm-hmm. actioning and like badass in it than it actually was. And I feel like you really like succeeded in that. You really got like pulled out everything that you like about power Rangers is in this comic, but just done on a really, really like good, like quality level. You, you said that. And it just totally reminds me of one of my favorite moments from the series. Uh, is when you had the monster putties and they, oh, were, yeah. they were posing as Matthew and like, that giant conglomerate of like, it was horrific. All these putties, like all 
it was like a super putty kind of thing, but it wasn't like like super putties are. But they were just like all bulked together, and it was like it was monstrous, and it was scary looking. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of the things that I'm like, I wish I seen that when I was a kid. I wish that was in the show because that would have been so scary and so yeah. messed up. And I want the Rangers to defeat that thing. And that's the beauty of these comics is we're seeing things that we've never seen before in the TV show because with the comic book, it's all drawn. The, the There is mm-hmm. no television show budget. And mm-hmm. that's like with, with the next page, uh, next few pages, when Matt is witnessing this Megazord fight, he's on top of a building in the middle of the Dragonzord fight. And what what's great about Dan Mora's art is that he's able in these panels to create a sense of scale that we never see in the show like in the show Mm -hmm. they definitely look like tiny models posing as bigger things Mm -hmm. but just this shot of like matt looking up and you see the mastodon head right there but it's like (laughs) another story building tall it's crazy looking yeah, I love that you can tell the the depth of it because they took like the the black line art and they colored it just slightly so mm-hmm. it's obvious. And then when you travel down, like your 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 eyes just go down the page and you're, you're following this art. And that last panel is like this thing's smiling at him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and it's saying his name, which is huge. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Hi. <laughs> you know what the, these past two issues i feel really bad for uh tyrannosaurus uh because yeah. he's been getting his butt kicked lately and it's not good <laughs> yeah and then you got the the iron man effects uh going on in, in the rangers cockpits which uh which i appreciate but yeah G- gravesword versus uh tyrannosaurus and I like that they treat the Tyrannosaurus as the bruiser because that was something that we saw a few times uh, in the show that, you know, he could handle his own just because he was as tall as some of the monsters and when he fought Dragonzord and and all that stuff. So it kind of feels like how the show was when I was a kid, too. Mm -hmm. Well, it's a little bit more graphic now. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That shot with Gravesord's arm just plowing right through i think that would have been like a optimus prime moment you know oh, a yeah. transforming moment like if that would have happened in the show one of the monsters just totally spearing and gutting the tyrannosaurus you're like whoa wait hold on how, how are they gonna megazord power man how they well, gonna- we saw a couple times like with uh, when the thunderzords were destroyed going into season three or like when all the turbozoids were pretty wiped out before they went into space they had like yeah, arms the wires off and stuff hanging like out, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> as about as close as we got. Right. So you got those like scenes and stuff, but they're like buried under sand, and they're they look like they've been there forever. Mm-hmm. Just kind of destroyed. Just to see something get ripped in half like that. Oh man, it's pretty brutal. Yeah. At that point, your your brain kicks in. And it's like, all right, so we still got a shot. We still got a shot. We can just call upon Dragon Sword. We can get that in there. Dragon Sword battle mode. Let's go. <laughs> But that would have been kind of uh, terrifying. And, like, you see Billy's reaction at the bottom of the page where you got the Iron Man graphics going on showing the damage of the Zord. And he's just like, this is not good. I appreciate both Dan Mora and uh, Daniele 
doing the partial faces through the helmet visors because it's something that really humanizes the expressions that you're able to see through the helmet. Yeah, I agree. Mm -hmm. And when we look at uh, some photos from the live action, we peek into the the helmet and we see the stunt people mm-hmm. and we're like, wait, what a sec. That's, that's, that's horrible. <laughs> when we look in here and you actually see Billy and you see Trini and that's cool. That's what we wanted. But when we see like this 38 year old dude <laughs> hanging on a teenage, where, where a teenager should be, you're like, I feel kind of gross guys. What's going on here? One of the things I, I actually appreciate of the Neo Saban era is when they have done... Well, Disney did it too. When they do the in-shot of the helmet. Yeah. And you see their eyes and, and doing whatever they're reacting. Because, I mean, we, we had that in SPD a little bit and Mystic Force, but I feel like we're seeing that a lot more in the, the Neo Saban era. Like where you can yeah, peek definitely. into their helmets. And I hope they continue that. Or I hope they come up with a totally new concept for letting us see the civilian side while they're rangered up oh that'd be cool yeah like do here in the comics i feel like if i were hasbro i'd be taking these comics (laughs) and be like these are bibles man these these are what we're doing (laughs) we're going to take the things that are successful here and try to do that as best as possible because like you were saying Mm -hmm. if shattered grid that helped boom increase their profit margins and a lot more people were buying their books and they were becoming like one of the fighters in the industry up against people like Marvel and DC, like those are powerhouses and this franchise, it's got that Mm -hmm. like, I guess chutzpah. (laughs) (laughs) I would totally be looking at this success as what can we translate? Well, Mm -hmm. did you hear boom is going to get Buffy the vampire slayer soon? I did hear that. Yes. I think the plan is to do basically like what they did with, with power Rangers and have a kind of reboot of it but taking place in our time period now, which is interesting considering they're also doing the TV reboot, which I think is now they're saying they're like, I don't know if it's official, but the implication is that that's going to be a sequel. So yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> so Kim is able to break uh, the Ranger Slayer's spell because she's able to activate this electronic uh, defense system. And it actually ends up breaking the bow of darkness in half and it explodes and ranger slayer saying i'm me and just as all the zords are about to get wiped the grave zord kind of blows up and uh shrinks back down to people size i guess (laughs) and then you just got this defeated tyrannosaurus here we were talking about it earlier but essentially holding in its guts which i know it's just a robot but it looks pretty painful. Yeah, it's all slumped over. It's down on one knee. Yeah. And you can just feel the weight coming down on the Zord. Like, it's going to topple at any second. Yeah, it's so good. I, I love Dan Mora. He's such a great artist. <laughs> yeah, and it, it helps that you got all this, like, darkness, like, this vignette of darkness around it mm-hmm. and all this dust and stuff and so you can see like that it's the aftermath and maybe you can smell how dusty the area is in the battle and it's crazy man i never thought you know coming off those hamilton books back in the day <laughs> you, you don't understand i don't know if a lot of people that are reading these boom 
uh, comics understand what we had when we were kids. Well, you can pick up the uh, Mighty Morphin Power Rangers comic book archive from Boom Studios and relive hmm. all those cringeworthy moments yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying, Ooh, man. Boy. It's insane. Even Marvel tried to do something when yep. you know the movie came out. And then, God, like four years ago with paper cuts. Forget that. That was trash. <laughs> You know, I was so hyped when that was first coming out, too. Me too. I was like, oh, yep. man, Power Rangers are coming back to comics. This is going to be awesome. Oh, wait, look, check it out. They've got it in hardcover. I can get it on Amazon. This is going to be awesome. Mm. Nope. <laughs> man, that that I oh, that free comic book day issue. Oh, my God. Was that the one with the car with the rad bug coming uh, alive or something? I wish they could have paid me to, to read that because <laughs> I wanted my money back and it was free. So... I mean, there you go. Yeah. Thankfully, that's not the case here. And and just to kind of round out this issue, all the Rangers reassemble and you've got Ranger Slayer Kim in in tears. Zordon weighs in that he's seen uh, mental manipulation like this before, uh, which really hints at what's going to happen in the future with Tommy as the Green Ranger. And then Zordon kind of just like, nicks the whole like let's not talk about her being from the future uh because the less we know the better which was a big worry for me when i was reading shatter grid because i didn't know how they were going to handle that it'd make the rangers look stupid if they just didn't remember but now i kind of see that once everything's over this is almost like its own separate dimension slash timeline in itself yeah, that was my assumption is that Gogo was like one of the dimensions that got broke off along with every other season. So like everything happening here doesn't affect what's happening in Shattered Grin like in a linear way. Right. I also want to point out uh, that second panel with Zordon is probably the coolest I've ever seen Zordon in my life. Oh, yeah, yeah. Where, where he's like looking off to the left like that. Yeah, like he looks somebody that you actually want to follow like. <laughs> He looks like he knows what he's talking about. He's, <laughs> like he's a warrior. Like he he looks like he's somebody that uh, that you should pay you attention could, to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, he looks like a legit like Adonis. Like look at those cheekbones. <laughs> <laughs> Considering he's just like, like a dis- disembodied floating head. <laughs> Space has its own membership to Planet Fitness. <laughs> oh my god! Uh, but yeah, that is a really good panel uh, of Zordon. And then they're talking to Matt at the high school and he's like, you know, oh, it said my name. Like I'm somehow involved in this. Like it's all about me and all the other guys. I mean, they're Rangers. They're like, no, maybe chill out a bit. <laughs> you know, don't jump <laughs> Try to, not to get a building fall on your head. And then we get a, a moment with both Kims. She's repairing the bow of darkness, which I think is just a regular bow now. <laughs> and then we get this great sequence where she just kind of takes future Kim out. Uh, but now she goes by Sally, but shout out to, and, and this is one of two times because he does it in the next issue. Dan Mora did this thing where you see quote unquote, Sally here drinking a milkshake. And this panel is laid out in such a way to take advantage of her silhouette and I thought, my God, what a brilliant way to do 
uh, essentially what's a montage sequence. Yeah, it, it's totally crazy. And it's these moments where I wish there were original art that I could buy because mm-hmm. this is one of the pages that I would totally love to hang on my wall and frame it. It's such an amazing piece of work on its own, not even knowing what the captions are, the word balloons or anything like that. Yeah. All you need to know is Kimberly, and she's got some milkshakes, and she's at the juice bar. Yeah, and God, just the composition. And and I love that he was able to do this again in the next issue, which we'll get to. And that's a piece of art I would definitely want. That's another thing that's super impressive about this series. Mm-hmm. It's like the, I feel it gets better every issue like there has not been a time where i'm like oh man i mean earlier on i'll say that like the only time that i can remember is when they needed to give hendry a break right in very beginnings and then there was that one issue that like uh it was kind of weird like the art was kind of jarring and like some things were kind of weird in it but then hendry came back and everything was all right (laughs) but i feel like this part shattered grid and everything Every issue of Gogo, of Mighty Morphin, any issue that comes out, the art just ups itself. Every single page, every single issue, it just keeps getting better and better. And editorial and the artists are totally on their game about this. Yeah, and I'm surprised that they just haven't all collapsed. <laughs> <laughs> right, it might feel like there's a couple of seconds on this page. Like you can read the words and you can glance over it, flip the page, but it's these pages like this one, what it gets you to stop and it gets you to consider this mm-hmm. as a work of art and not just uh, a comic. Yeah. Even her, her ear yeah, piercing yeah. and, and the piercing. So cool. But that's the back wall of the juice bar and just, compositionally like nothing is lost because the shape of even the panel on the top is her buzz cut Mm -hmm. it's just so well done and i can't gush enough about this layout it's like i marvel at having museums like feel like when they go into like modern museums (laughs) and you're talking about these things like i'm like it's a white painting with a red dot on it like somebody's over here just talking about it that is that is that them is that us right now that's us. Yeah. <laughs> Marvel at just like how they came, how they just came up with the idea in the first place to do it. It's, it's just so impressive. Right. Yeah. And that was something that, you know, I had to really stare at this page to get those details. But the more you look at it, you see how the panels are shaped and it's just, it's awesome <laughs> how he was able to segment that uh, really well done. So there's a lot of moments here, you know, Sally meets in a live mat, which was uh, kind of shocking. She goes to get a breather and she's contacted by Lord Draken. And this is the first time we actually see this conversation because in the next issue, we'll see the other side of this conversation. And holy cow, what a great way to tie everything together. Absolutely. And, you know, they had hints of this uh, in, in the previous issues. And you're like, oh, so what's what's going on? It's totally a misdirect. And then when this comes out, you're getting the whole picture here. And you're like, all right, now I understand. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because we really didn't know what the motivations were for Ranger Slayer, other than what the press releases were saying that, 
you know, she was sent by Lord Draken. Uh, but this is the actual first interaction that we get to see between them. And it's all about suspicion. We don't even see Finster Five's dialogue because that half of the conversation is revealed when we see it from the next issue from Draken's perspective. But the fact that they were able to take two different artists and coordinate all of this stuff together. And I believe the process was that Daniele drew his out first and Dan Mora did his interpretation of it. But just that level of cooperation between artists over two different comic books, frankly, shows how much they care to make all the details come together. Yeah, definitely. I wonder what it's like. Like, I'd like to meet someone who was maybe reading, like maybe they were just catching up on on the two titles and were reading like MMPR and reading GoGo separately and how this plays out if you haven't read anything else from Shattered Grid. Mm-hmm. One of my friends had even like asked me who was trying to get into it. She's like, what order, which like, how should I read them? I'm going to just like look up the order they came out, read them like that. Yeah. But I'm sure that there are many people out there who just maybe just buy the trades because I feel like the way that they've kind of laid it out is that it's intriguing, but you get just enough information to kind of get a general idea of what's maybe going on, even if you don't know all the Shattered Grid like, right. background, with just like a little like nugget of being interested that's going to entice you to read the rest of Shattered Grid and read the whole Mighty Morphin line, too. But when you're reading them in order as, as they come yeah. out, it is so impactful because... It really is. When 29 came out and the other side of this conversation was happening, I went back and dug out this issue and I was like, my God, these guys are geniuses. Yeah, definitely. I keep flipping through the rest of this issue and it's so good. (laughs) You got, you guys talking and I'm sitting here looking like after that page, my mind has just been on art mode. And so I'm just sitting dissecting each panel and just looking at it. It's too gorgeous. It's fantastic. Like all of this are, I, I, I could, spend all day like reading this and and dissecting it but to close out this issue billy finds uh future kim kind of looking some stuff up he gets a little bit suspicious and then she just electrocutes him which i felt really bad for (laughs) billy but it adds a a sense of mystery which which we'll come back to and then it leaves off with two of uh rita's latest uh, creations and I looked at this page and I'm like, that's downtown Chicago Oh, whoa. <laughs> because it is like that. <laughs> that's uh, state street or, or something, but that's definitely Chicago architecture, especially kind of like the Chicago theater with that uh, Rick and Leo sign. Yeah. You got that walkway that's there too. That it kind of reminds me of like uh, the L train. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I could totally see that. Yeah, so maybe kind of a shout out to Kyle Higgins since he's from the Chicago area, but just an, another solid issue. And mm-hmm. we always knew that the Shattered Grid portion for GoGo Power Rangers would be short. So I was really curious when I was reading this. I'm like, man, how are they going to wrap up their part of it in the next issue? I was really curious about that, but they did a good job. Uh, so, so moving on to uh, issue 29, I have to say, first off, that I think this was my favorite issue of Shattered Grid. Really? Yes. And I liked it because of the reveals that happened, the Zordon and Doggy talk, the Andros and Koron reunion. Yeah, that's true. The epic reveal of all the Rangers uh, teleporting in. And plus, this cover come on <laughs> come on yeah, yeah. you make <laughs> a good case you make a good case <laughs> it's just coming out remember like 
the back and forth, uh, people like posting up the spoilers for when it came out and tossing things on social media. Like, here's the cover. Here's the cover. Oh, wait, they changed the cover. Here's the cover. <laughs> they changed it again. Here's the cover. <laughs> and it was this issue. I, I remember that. I'm like, it's kind of pretty cool. They kept changing it. And it would say, not final art, not final art. And I'm just like, all right, I'm playing your game. I see what's going on now. <laughs> yeah, and then the final one, it would just add, like, Jason's dragon shield. Yeah. And then other people were like, no, I swear, it was this thing that wasn't there, too. This wasn't there. Like, the hype was so real. It was warranted. Mm-hmm. It wasn't something that let us down. So, uh, well played, guys. Oh, yeah. I love that this issue opens up with two of the captured rangers. We saw TJ from the annual issue, but this is the first time that we're seeing Kelsey in the comics. And when I saw this, I I couldn't help but think of AP (laughs) reading this. But I was like, wow, even a minor character, and I don't want to say minor in Power Rangers because she's a major, obviously major part of that season, but even just these little moments of Rangers that they spread out throughout Shattered Grid, even this this small portion, it nailed her personality. Yeah, definitely. And we get to see a little bit more of the industrial design, like these prisons and stuff, Mm -hmm. more aspects of that sci-fi fantasy. It's a little bit more world building, and I appreciate that kind of stuff too. We can get into like characters all day, but these landscapes and everything, everything has been so eye catching. And I'm not bored, you know? Mm. There's all these different scenes. It's very cinematic. And I could see this being played out, which is why I think Shattered Grid Live was so successful. Mm-hmm. Not only did you have the powerful voice actors doing their thing, but you had those visuals there, too, to kind of be like the storyboards. And so the way this is paced out and plays out, I can't say a bad thing about it. <laughs> no, I really can't either. But to your point, uh, you're right. I like that we're able to see all of these different uh, styles in, in architecture, Draken's world versus what the Rangers are going through. And when we're visiting all these different places that we know about in from the TV show, like Promethea, which is Terra Venture, we see Corinth and everything is, is how you expect it. So I like that there's this added layer of, uh, Draken's utilitarian, the draconian future, there's order and everything and everything has its purpose, but at the same time, it's, it's bland, it's drab, it's depressive because he's ruling with an iron fist. I also like when you were talking about seeing the things that were getting on the shows and everything, but we get to get into these little nooks and crannies that we're not able to because of budget constraints and set designs and stuff like that. It's like, we can do whatever we want here. And so it's, it's cool to see like the other side of all this. Oh, that's, what's great. Cause when they're in the command center and they're talking, obviously they need a big space and they're able to use the pocket dimension to create, basically whatever room that they want. And I love that there there's that explanation in there that this is essentially the star Wars set from a new hope <laughs> when they're planning the bat, the, the death star. And uh, it, it's such a nerdy reference. They don't even uh, mention it, but I love that it's RJ that says, wait, I've absolutely seen this in a movie. I love yep. that. It's him. 
It's so good. And I love that Zach is like, well, we are doing battle plans talk. So, you know, I couldn't help but to pull reference. And if you're any kind of a nerd, you pick up exactly what the hell they're talking about. And I, that's <laughs> smart writing. Yeah. yeah, that was really fun. I have to give props to them because there's a, there's a lot of words in this, these two pages. <laughs> but they're able to keep it interesting with this amount of people that are in these shots. And I'm a sucker for helmetless any Rangers. Mm -hmm. So to see a whole bunch of them like that helmetless is so freaking cool to me. Yeah, yeah I, I swear there needs to be some kind of sketchbook or art book. Or something that I could, you know, keep on and have it all the stuff like character designs, helmetless oh, designs, God. weaponry, all this. Like, just give me that awesome giant art book. Oh, we got man. The, we got that artist tribute, and I'm like, that's fun. But I want all this. <laughs> like, I want the art of Shattered Grid. <laughs> oh my God, that would be incredible. Boom, boom! If you're listening, get on it. We just uh, got you a really good idea. <laughs> And then Andros makes a, a crash landing. And it's another reference because that's one of those Dragon Ball Z pods. Right? <laughs> Absolutely. Oh my God. It is. I didn't even catch that. It so is. It is. Yeah, it's the same pod. Yeah. Oh, that's so that good. was another thing that Daniele confirmed. He's like, yeah, that's pretty much a, a, a Dragon Ball pod. <laughs> I love it. Yeah, it, it, it's We're so cool. We got the shot of Corone making that realization. But man, cracked visors. So yeah. many cracked visors. So good. Anytime that happens in the show, you're just like, yes! <laughs> <laughs> it's like, you, you kind of feel bad for doing that because, like, our heroes are getting their butts handed to them. But it, it's, it's that. so cool. There's somebody there. It's real. There's the humanity. And yeah. you get to see that in this, and it's pretty cool. It's the and fact it's, they put like, up extra money to make an extra helmet prop so they can do that. <laughs> right? You're always worried about that. And <laughs> it's like, do you go ahead and do you cheap out and you buy like one of those really crappy ones that they sell on eBay with like the lights in the eyes and stuff? You know what I'm talking about? Do you ever looked at that kind of stuff? Yeah. Like those bad helmets? <laughs> I don't know what they do, but here it's pretty nice to see. But uh, we've got Draken rightfully pissed off that Ninjor has been captured. And I love, I love this whole line. Uh, like, you know, we got one of the sentries. Oh, what an un unfathomable be betrayal. And he's like, unfathomable implies that incompetence. Is, is that what you're telling me, that you're incompetent? And I, I, I love it. So not only do they bring in Skull, he's very rebellious, but the fact that we get an off-screen neck snap, it's gut-wrenching because you know it's Skull. Yeah. And it's such a dark moment. The fact that we got a shot of three Ranger sentries and they're wincing, essentially, and looking away. And you can look in there, and they all have their eyes closed, because it's, it's pretty bad. And this is where we get the second conversation again with Ranger Slayer from Draken's perspective. But the added twist here is what Finster 5 uh, was saying off screen, like, oh, there's something different about, about her. Oh, she's morphed, but I don't see her bow. And then that's where Draken says, hey, where's your bow? So I like that we got that. Draken, he's losing his power. Fencer 5 says it's the strain and it's tearing him apart. They need to finish what needs to be done. So all of this is, is coming at, uh, at a price. And I'm really glad that we got to see that dual segment from the last issue. Because when I read this, I was like, oh man, I see what they're doing. And it's... 
it's really cool. And you just see how big of a role. Like, if you're just reading this, you're like, okay, so Ranger Slayer's pretty cool. She's not pretty cool. Whatever your views on it is. And then you read the other thing and you feel this, like, torment that you didn't really get from, like, the show when, you know, you had uh, Green with Evil and the Green Candle and Tommy losing his powers and all that. This is fulfilling something that you kind of wanted there. Mm Mm-hmm. To see this conversation from both sides like that, I wouldn't have thought of it. And it's, like you said, Evan genius. <laughs> yeah. I have to talk a little bit about this next panel. It's frustratingly small enough where I'm like, God, I want to pick out all these little details because it's all the groups. I love that we get that bug dude from the annual that was uh, SPDC squad. He's in there and he's talking to one of the Corinth guards who I think that's supposed to be Hicks. So we see Hicks and this guy talking, and then you can kind of make out Gia and Akira. And so so you see all the little people, but I must've stared at this panel for like five minutes when I first read it, trying to pick out everyone. And I love the hint uh, in the corner of Corone hanging back, oh, yeah. which ties into the conversations here. And just Jen being the one to tell Corone, hey, you should say something to him. It's a reunion that's really touching because from Andros's perspective, he hasn't found her yet. And she's confirming that he saved her. That's what's the amazing thing about all these different time periods and and universes kind of splintering off and and coming together because we wouldn't have had this moment otherwise yeah it's really cool and it's really um it's really inventive Mm -hmm. too do you think that andros came from a time period from before he even knew astronomer was corona like earlier in the show or does he know astronomer is corona at this point like at this point and so his surprise is just that he was able to save her from being evil. I think this is a point where he knows that Astronema is Corone because here he says, you, your, did we, like, did we yeah. save you? Did we break you free of that spell? Yeah, Are you still dating true. Zane? <laughs> <laughs> oh. But it's so touching. This hug was definitely well-earned for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. This is the highlight to me of this issue is the two mentors speech, Doggy Kruger and Zordon. They're both commanders that have dealt with losing Rangers under their command. Doggy Kruger lost the A squad to evil and Zordon not only losing his original team, but the 69 Rangers with Grace, who's also in this issue. So the heart to heart that they had here was really incredible to me and did Daniele really nail down big puppet face doggy Kruger? <laughs> I love that he just he looks so surly all the time. <laughs> yeah, I, I love it. It's so in character. I just want to know why did they color doggy Kruger's all of his speech bubbles are always golden. Hmm. It's just this weird effect that I notice. His is the only one that's colored differently from everyone else. Zordon's are blue. Zordon's is slightly blue. As oh, well. that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Huh. But it is kind of weird because they don't, I mean, they'll color code the Rangers sometimes, but they don't all the time. I mean, I guess they color code them when they're like off screen or they're in their Zords. Yeah. And then Zordon, I guess, makes sense because he's got, he's like this big, like disembodied voice and he kind of is going to sound a little different than normal human speech. Yeah. 
Kruger doesn't, but I guess he he does have a really cool voice and a commanding That's voice. True. So <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but what I like here is not only they're talking off screen. I believe they learn and grow the most from our mistakes. And then you have Jason essentially talking to Grace for the first time since he called her out. Uh, a number of issues ago and apologizing. Like I didn't know what you were talking about before, but I think I know now. And the fact that they have that moment together too was really powerful because Jason's coming to the realization that being a leader is pretty hard, especially under conditions like this. And then she busts out Promethea where Corone's obviously like, wait, that's just Terra Venture. <laughs> and so I love the whole like timeline thing. It, it's so great. And then Alpha 5 says, oh, uh, the other Rangers are answering Zordon's call. They're starting to arrive. And oh my God, the next few pages <laughs> to me is one of the greatest moments in, in Shatter Grid. It's like literally like what you want from a big crossover oh, like God. this. You want this moment and like this specific page i mean actually like all of these pages but these two pages with seeing the the lights coming out of the sky and then all of them together like this is exactly what you envision when you say you're going to have a giant power rangers crossover it's so perfect yeah this is the end of a movie for me this is the yeah i can't wait to see the next film or wait through the credits to see what this is going to be all about like i'm expecting the credits to roll i'm sitting in the seat everybody's leaving but we're kicking back because we know there's going to be like some cool thing afterward. And everybody is like helmetless and they're just sitting around like eating soup or something. (laughs) (laughs) We're all finally together. And then they're telling like their war stories and it it is a grand image. Is that like super mega force? I'm sorry. No, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I'm not happy anymore. But this spread of the light streaks in the sky is one of the most gorgeous things I've seen come out of this comic. It's true. It's it's like I can only imagine the the soundtrack to what this is. To me, it's when that music swells in the new Power Rangers movie where the music swells as they're walking up fully morphed. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like that kind of music swell to this crescendo because on the next page which was my phone lock screen for quite a few weeks was this image of all the rangers i'm really glad that kyle higgins uh, used a spreadsheet to keep track of everyone who was left (laughs) (laughs) yeah but my god i was just looking at all this and i just have to laugh because dax is the only operation overdrive ranger that survived (laughs) (laughs) dragon couldn't even be bothered to kill him he's like (laughs) (laughs) the hyperforce rangers make their debut in comic form yeah you you see the beast morphers back there and the dark ranger all the way in the back like hey what's up guys well (laughs) i know he was dark ranger at the time so everybody's like no look it's talent ranger look at him yeah well i was just gonna say as beautiful as that two-page spread is when you turn that page and you get that group shot it's like just as amazing (laughs) yeah they knew what they were doing with the the page turn reveal absolutely there should be a word balloon like right next to (laughs) zio that's going to phantom ranger and he says and y'all still don't know who i am (laughs) (laughs) you're talking about zio black ranger 
Oh, oh yeah, no, Zeo Black. Please stop. Oh, <laughs> shout out to Chris. <laughs> just got triggered. Sorry. It's Zeo Black. But no, I mean just the fact that they're all badasses right here. It's just it's the coolest. Yeah, yeah I never really realized how like detailed the Hyperforce helmets were until seeing them in context with everybody else. Because they're very, they're really. <laughs> cool they kind of stick out a little bit yeah but like in a good way because they're very they're they're really like designed in a really unique way yeah they are because i i had to illustrate them when i when i did <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> they are super detailed and then the rangers reactions on the next page there's that <laughs> sense of hope like hey maybe we can actually win this can we ask why every single one of the ninja steel rangers survived who knows <laughs> Maybe it's actual because it was the current season. <laughs> yeah, quite possibly. <laughs> also, just like the anniversary episode, I was hoping they would do something with Yoshi and Peter. At least their characters, just like as a little panel or a joke or something off to the side. And I don't think we got anything like that, so I was bummed. It's not as big a deal because the actors aren't actually in the comics that were in the show, but would have been fun. But wait. Well, we have two Peters here. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, that's true. I didn't even think about that. That's even funnier. Yeah. Forget my other thing. Do two two clones. That's funny. They could have totally played it up to where it's you know that meme that goes around with the Spider Man pointing oh, yeah. at the Spider Man. Just it's the version of that, and it's Sidarso, Sidarso, Sidarso everywhere, just pointing. It's like a cop machine. <laughs> Well, it's like they're playing Peter, Peter, Yoshi, and then one of them runs around the circle and has to sit down at his spot. <laughs> but no, they should have had, like, when they had that scene of them all, like, hanging out before the fight, where I think it was, like, Magna Defender and... Phantom Ooh. Oh, yeah. Yeah, where they were talking to each other. They should have just had something where, like, Marv was talking to Preston and just like, you are one handsome son of a... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But then we get the cliffhanger to this where Kruger and Zordon are having an audience with Peter Pulsa. And it's like, what? Yeah, I wasn't expecting that at all. And to be honest, I really liked it. Yeah, me too. I was really all there for it. Also, I I had no idea that Zordon could travel. (laughs) He's got... The little yeah. like projector thing that he flies I'm, around. I'm him. feeling like somebody built that for him who wasn't part of Mighty Morphin. Like yeah. uh, Dr. K built it or something. Cause that's, yeah, that's a little weird. <laughs> kind of off putting. <laughs> well, th- he's been portable this whole uh, issue. Even in the uh, little uh, meeting room, he kind of had that little floaty projector thing. So yeah, I think off screen that they, they were kind of like, all right, Zordon, you get to travel a bit. So here you go. <laughs> If that's the case, why can't they build him like a robot to go into? <laughs> why don't they just like use Alpha 5 from in space instead of like, yo, 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 what's up? <laughs> this is my boy Zordon. <laughs> I think he's still in the tube, but this is just like a hologram Project. transmission. I don't think he can leave that tube. Yeah, I just meant they could give him a robot that projects his head as well and then he could, like, control the robot from the tube as well. Yeah. Could he control the robot or who's controlling the robot? Like, I feel like does it work. Does he become like Warrior Zordon at that point? I feel like Zordon recognizes that he's more enigmatic and can feel like bigger in the room if he's a big head rather than like a robot body. Yeah. Then he'd be like, hey, you guys should listen to me. I'm literally a floating head. So. It's like Jombie like, from Pee Wee's Playhouse. He goes off to like the volcanic island and he starts building Gosei and like. <laughs> oh, we won't get into that. <laughs> 
So for you, the listeners of Ranger Command Power Hour, Gamefly is offering a premium free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. Get your free trial today at GameflyOffer.com slash RangerCommandPH. Again, that's GameflyOffer.com slash RangerCommandPH for your free 30-day trial. And we go into GoGo Power Rangers issue 12. And this is the last GoGo before everything happens. And there is a lot that happens in this issue. So quickly, we get another flashback and... This is how Ranger Slayer actually came to be. And she is on a mission to kill Draken, and she calls him Tommy. So they have this history together, and he whips out some Rita magic, which puts her under the spell and gives her uh, the Bow of Darkness. And so we see the origin of Ranger Slayer. And it's interesting that we got that in the last issue of this arc for Gogo. <laughs> yeah. I think it was a lot of long nights trying to coordinate this series with the writers. Mm-hmm. So Ryan and Kyle just kind of back and forth, maybe having these little meetings on where to place these things. And I love the structure that they came up with, with how this all unfolded. So they haven't really shied away from the personal issues with the rangers either because we get a pretty powerful page here with jason confronting his dad about his health issues and the fact that his mom didn't even know what was going on either just really strikes home to how uh, stubborn his father is and to me this is a, a pretty powerful page yeah i agree it also shows I feel like it shows why Jason is a leader in the group. Uh, Not necessarily, he doesn't have to be the leader of the Rangers, but why he's a leader personality and why that coin chose him. Yeah. I also like whenever it makes very apparent, like how young the Rangers actually are, because it's really easy to forget that Mm because, you know, they're written to be very, very like smart and kind of mature teenagers. But like, his dad actually says that you're 15 and like, what do you know? Like any parent is usually kind of not really listen to like what their teenager says about these like life issues. So I think that's also really interesting and kind of actually adds to like Jason's character with how strong he actually is that he's so, he is actually like legit mature beyond his years and everything. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I'm glad that they did make that point in this. A, a really powerful scene, and I'm glad that they're not forgetting the storylines that they had before Shattered Grid happened. Like, time is, is linear. We, we still have to deal with issues in their lives. And that's one of the great things to me about GoGo Power Rangers is it's more about their personal lives than their Ranger lives. Obviously... They kind of put that on the back burner for the Shatter Grid just because of the nature of the crossover. But I do like that this comic is staying true to its mission statement almost. Mm-hmm. I also want to point out that as powerful as this scene is, I just want to take it to the forefront that it is just a page. Like this scene right. doesn't last very long. Yeah. It is literally five panels. And in those five panels, like it gets a lot across. That's really true. That's just the power of Ryan Parrott as the writer, Dan Mora, with these expressions. Like, the the look of disbelief on his father's face is pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. 
but I'm glad that they're able to move on from this. And then, so we're already like four pages deep, and then we get to the conclusion of uh, wrapping up what happened on, on the cliffhanger of the last issue. And it's a classic, this isn't what this looks like, with Kim discovering Ranger Slayer knocking out Billy. And they have this, like, tense morph talk where kim says look i need to do what i need to do but at the same time you need to trust me who's you and kind of do the right thing i like when she just kind of goes down the brass tacks and she's just like anyway i'm just gonna knock you out again and <laughs> i want to do this anyway so yeah so it's it's like we can do this one or one of two ways they do continue from where the last issue left off and they still have to deal with this monster threat. And I love this one panel here where they're all kind of leaping into action with the Zords, like, rising above them. That's beautiful. I like how I felt when I seen the 2017 movie poster when they're oh, kind of... Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, like, I see that and I'm like, yeah, that's that's awesome. This whole next few pages, or this page, it's Matt's text to them. Because they told him to stay in touch. And he's doing the thing that they told him to do, but he's getting ignored because they're in ranger mode. And that is the moment where I started to fear for yep. Matthew. And I'm yeah. like, what is going on? What are you doing, rangers? Why? You know, I can understand that you guys have to save the world, but this is the point where I'm like, this is the catalyst. Like, what is going to go so wrong here? Mm-hmm. Because yeah. this this could have been preventable, and it just keeps driving this wedge. And we'll see later on how much that affects Matthew. But I seen this page, and I'm like, oh, come on, guys. Yeah, like, yeah. Somebody say something like, hold on, can't talk right now. <laughs> yeah. It's also one of those things that like really justifies like this comic's existence in the way that it exists. Like mm-hmm. this, it's telling a story that totally makes sense that we never saw on TV show, even though the setting would have like, it, it would make sense to have like the friend that doesn't know that you are power Rangers and you have secret identity issues with that. But also the fact that, this comic takes place in the present day where we have cell phones where we text each other. And like, that's <laughs> if this was in the nineties, yeah. like what would he do? He'd be like, Oh, I go to the payphone and I can't call them. I guess that means that they're not home. Like that's fine. Not being able to get in touch with someone means something totally different nowadays. So it's, it's really cool. Like how this comic really uses its reboot and like updated nature to it. And I don't want to get too serious here, but I'm reading things into this, like, which is why I was worried for Matthew is, we have a tendency in our culture right now to say things like, hey, I know that you might be going through a bad time right now. I'm always here for you. Yeah, I'm always yeah. here. Just, you, can, you can count on me. Just send me a text or call me and you know, we could talk about anything whenever you need. I'm there for you, dude. And the one time he's doing that, they're not there. Five people that he considers friends aren't there for him. And he texts every single one of them. And that is so heartbreaking. Yeah. Yeah. It's like the nightmare scenario for anyone who already has any kind of like insecurity issues, which I feel like he definitely does. Like if you're dealing with any kind of insecurities, if you're dealing with mental health issues, if you're Mm -hmm. dealing with just life in general and you just need somebody to chat with. It's also the way that Power Rangers used to be 
all about you know you got the 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 clean green club and stuff like that <laughs> right but it's for more issues that we're dealing with now yes and things that people weren't really wanting to talk about or to get into so like when i read that it was really powerful for me because i know a lot of people that struggle day to day with a lot of things and so I'm sitting here, I'm looking at Matthew and I'm like, oh, what are you doing to him right now? Like, <laughs> like yeah, I'm yeah. worried about this giant crustacean dude anymore trampling the city, like this <laughs> like crawdad thing. I don't, I'm focused on Matthew. It's Crush Station yeah. and <laughs> Hammer Dillo. Uh, I love it. <laughs> I love that even in this serious moment, they've named these dumb monsters and it's just as ridiculous as you would expect from Mighty Morphin. Yep. Yeah. They're really cool looking monsters too. Oh, they are. But I mean, the names like yep. Rita really needs to work on, on naming <laughs> these things. Hammer Dillo and Crush Station. It's a good pun. It's, it's it, a, yeah. they're great puns. Yeah. But man, this shot of all the Rangers in the cockpit. So cool. Yeah. I, I love that shot. There's a real Voltron vibe to it, too. You can hear the sound effects. You can feel the high intensity of this scene. I can almost see it like a sweeping camera, like pan, mm-hmm. like, like very sharp with the, the CG Stark screens in front of them. And mm-hmm. then we see the, <laughs> the, the Arthur Megazord fist. Like, I'm, I'm angry and I'm done. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> oh, man. And then the two monsters combine their attack to form this, like, super beam. That was yeah, pretty cool, it too. It takes them by surprise. And I, I think it's so smart. You, you don't see too many monsters, especially, like, clay Rita monsters, being very intelligent like that. Mm-hmm. And so, like, when that moment happened, I'm just like, they're playing for keeps. Yeah, and um, Chris, are you back yet? Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> back. I was trying to be like uh, all subtle and nonchalant, and then that thing was like, bring me the loudest. Awesome. awesome. Thanks. Thanks for Skype. <laughs> so, yeah, and then we get to another reveal where Matt actually finds Ranger Slayer. She's digging through the Gravesword. She pulls out this crystal and he's like frantically texting the group. It even says, Group, guys, I found the evil Ranger with the small evil robot. Quick, hurry now. And the fact that they include an emoji, I, like, I really appreciate that, Power so cute, Rangers. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, failed to send. And he's just, he's in the way. And uh, hello, Matthew. Oh, well, what's your real name? And so Matt has this realization and future Kim can't say anything because not telling you the truth was one of the greatest regrets of my life. So we leave on that, like, what the hell's going on? Then we get this epic fight. They're basically getting their butts kicked, but Ranger Slayer is able to send uh, the Gravesword and does this devastating attack with the Tiger Zord Claw and essentially slices this guy's arm off. <laughs> so that's really cool. You see, like, the green blood splatter and, and all that stuff. <laughs> And then you see the Greyzord start to pull apart. We get another page turn reveal, and we get the Mega Gravezord. 
Oh, so cool. Yeah, that's so fun. And another thing that they can only do in the comics because like Sentai footage and that kind of stuff would prohibit something like this. Mm-hmm. But because it's the comics, you can literally just draw whatever you want. It looks so cool. And see, you, we got it. It says uh, Omega Gravesword is the name of this thing. But I like to call this Hasbro Engineering Headache Number One. <laughs> <laughs> So if you're coming out with the Gravesword at any time in the future, which I don't know why you wouldn't capitalize on that. Oh, yeah. But how are you going to connect it to the Megazord? <laughs> They'll probably just do like a figure of it, but I'd still take just that because it would look amazing. Yeah. Like I can see like little statues or something, man. There's there's soft oh, vinyls. Yeah. God, no more, please, no more pop vinyls. It's going to be a Target exclusive. No, you're killing me, Chris. Uh, I'm dying here. Stop. (laughs) But it's so cool to me because I love the original Megazord. I love the Thunder Megazord. So the two of them coming together like this completely blows me away because this is like the coolest thing ever. It reminds me of, do you remember those like designs? I apologize. I don't even remember who did them back in the day, but it was like the Tiger Zord with, it almost had like, it was a mix almost of like the Tiger Zord and the Dragon Zord, but it had the Sabertooth and Triceratops feet, but it was like. Oh, kind of like the, the Jew 2 concepts yeah, that they yeah. were oh, yeah. for they kind of did like a White Ranger Tiger Zord that had yeah. the, the kind of like what they wanted you to do before the Thunder Megazord legacy figure came out. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, you can connect it like this. You're like, yeah, but why? (laughs) You know, when they debuted the whole Gravesword thing, part of my like model building younger self wanted to get like a trash Thunder Megazord and and just kit bash the hell out of it. Yes, yes. I wanted to do the same, and I'm like, I'm looking at the proportions. I'm like, it's not going to look anywhere near. No, it's not. (laughs) I'm like. That's gonna re- that's gonna cause me to do like some sculpting on my own, and I, I'm just I don't have the time for that. But I really want to do it. But with these like super mini plus that are coming out, man, uh, I know like, it's tempting. How, yeah, it's very tempting, and how amazing they look. I just seen some action shots of the Shogun. Oh yeah, the Shogun Megazord. I think Toku Nation just posted some. Dino posted some up, and it just looks amazing. Yeah, they look really cool. But. Back to the comics. <laughs> and the comic, the huge reveal, oh my god, it's Tommy. Before he became the Green Ranger, and Ranger Slayer shoots him with that Chaos Crystal thing. What the hell? <laughs> yeah, what the hell? Uh, yeah. <laughs> and I like that she actually acknowledges, I'm not sure I could take you in a fair fight, Tommy. And it's like, are you kidding me? You're morphed. And yeah. she's still thinking, like, man, his martial arts skills. And he's he doesn't know what the hell's going on. And then he gets shot, and we get another amazing Dan Mora collage, like the last issue. Talking about the last one, I think this one's even more beautiful. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I mean, any one of the... I, I would take both of them and, and hang them up on a wall. And it's it's not really clear. When you first read this, not clear what's going on. We find out what happens later, and it kind of ties everything back together. But this was when I was finally like, oh, when he died, yeah. she was like, that's what she meant. Yeah, exactly. I, I think Toku Chris is the one that posted it up on Twitter. He posted up both uh, pages, and he was like, so that's what she meant. And then it finally clicked with me. And I'm like, because I read it. And I'm just like, oh, that's that's a cool scene. But then I seen that and I'm like, holy crap, that's amazing. 
Yeah. <laughs> and, then, and then you like, you're seeing like, not only is he getting all this like information, I guess, like downloaded into his brain or like these visions or whatever. You got this green ranger up there with the dragon dagger and he's calling the dragon sword. But then you also got the white ranger down here. Yeah. You're not supposed to talk about your future. You're just giving him all this stuff. Like what's going on? Well, I think I actually heard one of the ranger danger boom rooms when they talk to uh, Ryan. It's not meant to be like he's getting this information. It's just that Dan Morrow wanted to draw all the cool moments from the Green <laughs> Ranger. <laughs> and so it's it's more like a like a meta metaphysical thing like uh. w- whatever she's doing is definitely altering time in in some aspect. Like setting the path. Right. Yeah, that makes sense. But god did he do a good job. Yeah, that, that's so great. Even if it was just that helmet shot right there alone, it's very solemn. Like you could see, like this almost sadness of uh, the Green Ranger just kind of looking down, mm-hmm. and all that stuff that's in it. It's art, man. Yeah, it's totally art. I love the Zords and the visor. That's my favorite part. Yeah. Then we see Mega Gravelord just tear into these monsters. The tiger attack with the claws slashing, and then. They get a big version of Zack's axe, I guess. <laughs> like, how does that work? It's like the Imaginex figure. <laughs> <laughs> They're able to summon what looks like a double-bladed Zack axe, even the same gun thing at the end, called the Inferno Blaster. And I love that all these attacks are in huge freaking fonts. Yeah. <laughs> it almost feels like a toy commercial, even though this is a comic. <laughs> right. And then... It, when they do their big attack, the day is saved, and I guess that was enough power that the Gravesword components just teleport away. Yeah, and I like the the sound effect here. It's like Fwazak. Fwazak. So it just like tosses back to like that Inferno Blaster with the Zack stuff. You know, like like that that's that's the only reason that that's there, is it? It's like that's not even a real sound. <laughs> It's just left over from that Budweiser commercial. (laughs) (laughs) And then Ranger Slayer, she's kind of something's funky going on with her powers. And hey, there's Grace Sterling. So it's all coming back full circle. And Rita has an ominous like, I'm going to finally destroy the Rangers. And and we won't know until this week, right? That's when it comes out. Go, go. This Wednesday. Oh, oh, man. Go-Go 13 is out. And then, what a freaking gut punch. Matt confronts the ranger. Awkward. Yeah, right? <laughs> he knows. At this point, he absolutely knows. And it's, you catch somebody in a line, they're doing all they can to skirt around it. And you're like, I know you know, but I can't say it. I can't say it. It's like, if I told you it's one of the rules about, I can't, I can't do it or I'm going to lose my power. I can't, I can't do it. <laughs> All their nervous looks in in that first panel. Just the sad realization that they can't say anything. What a way to end this arc in the comic. Yeah. Just that shot of all the ranger helmets and him walking out the door. And then you see Kimberly wanting to run to him. And Jason stopping her with his arm on her shoulder. Like, my God. And you can imagine that conversation that he's having. He's like, you know, I don't want to be doing this, but... 
we have to do this, blah, blah, blah. Just let him go. He'll get over it. We got to save the city. Couldn't they just, like, find a way to tell him without telling him, like, just like, oh, I tripped and my morpher fell out of my pocket and then I winked at him, you know? Like, <laughs> like a it's Mentos cool, commercial? Yeah, right, like a Mentos. Perfect. <laughs> like, oh, I'm always dropping this all over the place. What is it? Oh, just this oh, thing. Oh, no, it's, it's my morpher. You know, Zordon, if you put a better clip so I can keep my belt, it's really not my fault. It's really your fault. Not building it well. <laughs> <laughs> Issue 30. I'll just say, kind of pissed off that they changed the cover. I actually like the solicitation cover. Yeah. With just the piles of, of helmets. Uh, you yeah. know what? Everybody's talking about how awesome dragons, like, I guess they're calling it God Mode. I'm not a really big fan. Okay. And so, like, I, I totally agree. Like, I could have done without this crazy cover with it, with this altered form on the cover i guess it's a cool reveal right this form doesn't even show up in this issue that's my problem with it right that's that's the thing and the feeling that the other cover had when they had just a blank throne it was desolate like yeah who won no one knows yeah right and then now you're just like oh so big man's on top again right and it had more mystery more intrigue and like it drew me in like i really wanted to read the issue and then they popped that out, and I read the issue, and I got to it a little bit late, later than everybody else. And then, so everybody was blowing up on social media about how awesome this issue was. And then I read it, and I felt a little underwhelmed. I can see that, especially because it takes a whole nother finale issue to, to finally deal with the, the consequences. When you're reading this just from 30 and then go to 31, it's like, what are you doing? You, you're missing a whole chunk of what's going on. So maybe there could have been a better way that they could have done that. Yeah, I think when I read it, I didn't realize that the conclusion to the series was going to be a whole other book. So I didn't know at the time of reading that Shattered Grid number one was going to come out. And that was going to be the conclusion to the story. They do say right at the end. I mean, it does say to be concluded in Mighty Morphin Power Rangers Shattered Grid 1. Yeah. But it's almost like a blink if you miss it, especially if you're reading this and you're like, wait, but but what's happening? <laughs> yeah. You're like, I expected more from this and now I got to buy another one. And so I'm going to buy it anyway, but. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> I was just wondering why they called it Shattered Grid number one instead of just calling it Shattered Grid finale. Well, because they do that with the annuals, too. It's like 2017 annual number one. I know. But... It's dumb. That bothers me, too. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 I know. Comics are weird. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, why isn't there a number two? I'm not in the comics industry. I just I just comment about it. <laughs> um, but, yeah, this whole exchange between Zordon, Rita, Kruger... My God, I love that she poked fun of him at being a dog, like the whole choker thing. And he's just go ahead and try it, please. But in Shattered Grid live, Kelson just growls. That was perfect. <laughs> but I just love that those exchanges like that. Rita could not give a crap about what is happening. In fact, she loves it that everyone's destroying each other. And I just love that Kruger's like, well, you're also part of existence. You know, th this is going to affect you just as much as it's going to affect all of us. Yeah, and she has no care in the world. I, I love that shot of her looking at her nails like, I need to get a manicure. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, she's looking at her fingernails like, you're wasting my time. Yeah, it's only that when Zordon appeals to her ego that she smirks and, and gets interested. 
And then we focus back on Draken. He's trying to supplement his powers for the battle that the Rangers are bringing to him. And we finally know the reason why he stole part of the ninja steel from the annual. And he uses, and I, I do like uh, the editor's note. That's such like an old school comic book feeling to me when they're like, hey, remember to check out that issue for something you may have missed. I love that stuff too. I don't think that happens enough in comics and comics can get really complex these days. Yeah. Oh yeah. And so like, if you're not there and you're not paying, and you know, some people might not have picked up the annual or, you know, it even came out like not a lot of comic shops are all up to date on that. Like you were talking about your comic shop, you probably give them a shout out, but, uh, there's not a lot of people out there that take the time out for their cl- clients or customers and say, mm-hmm. this is coming out. That's coming out. This annual just came out. I don't know if you've seen it, especially with all these people that are coming that have no idea the scope of the franchise and stuff. Yeah. So plenty of people will, will read this in trades like later on too, and sure. not be paying attention to the schedule and all that stuff. So, Oh, that's the thing. There's, I think there's like three different ways that they're collecting Shattered Grid. And one of them is kind of this in order switching between Go-Go and the regular series. All of those are coming out next year. So, oh, well, if you're listening to this now, I mean, if you've made it two and a half hours (laughs) into this, you're spoiled big time. I mean, we're just spoiling all over the place. But please read it if you're going to read it. And if you're listening to us and you hear how gushing we are about this artwork, you all need to see it if you haven't seen it. Yeah, we can talk about it all day, but we cannot do justice to this artwork at all Mm -hmm. by just describing it. It's a feast for the eyes. That's what it is. (laughs) I had a question. What did you guys think about this one panel? You know, he's pouring the ninja steel and enhancing his blade. And we see these faces in the ninja steel. How are you guys interpreting that? I was going to ask you that. I really don't know. (laughs) I I feel like it's trying to do something, but I'm not sure what it is. My first like instinct, and I don't even know what's making me think this necessarily. This is what I thought I was reading it. But like I thought it was supposed to be like maybe it was starting to subtly hint at his underlying guilt for people. Yeah, and just general (laughs) – well, yeah, just general mental issues. And just – because I can't really tell who the people in the image are. I think the one in front is Rita. I think so too, yeah. Is the person the person on the left almost looks like he's supposed to be Matt, but that doesn't really make any sense. So I feel like that's got to be somebody else. But – do you think it could be all the people he's killed with that sword? Oh, yeah. Oh, I think it's Skull. Oh, Because he that snapped his neck. See, it might be Skull, but it could also be, like, the dude at the gas station or the person <laughs> at the grocery store at the customer service that he was just a little too mad at. It's just their job, <laughs> They're working there. They're, they're probably getting, like, minimum wage or, like, below it or whatever, and they, they don't deserve that. So be nice to all customer service reps. You're going to see them in, like, melted... Molten lava later on when you're trying to build a sword to take over the world. Oh, that sure went in a direction. <laughs> hey, Paulson, what do you think? That's what that's I can't say ellipses, but if I could type it, that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> <laughs> like, I get what they were trying to do here, but I just wish the art pushed it slightly a little more. Yeah. 
Because I guess it's foreshadowing because, you know, the whole finale is sort of basically just dealing with his brain, <laughs> more or less. So it's just like all the issues that he's dealing with and, and his kind of relationships that he's dealing with. So I can sort of see like they're trying to imply that there is just subtle thing bubbling up within him and things that he's seeing of just the relationships he has had and the connections that he had with people in his life and like how he's destroyed all of them, but actually kind of secretly would want them to be good again. I guess, but yeah, it's not really that you really have to be reaching to kind of get to that. Yeah. <laughs> the next uh, few pages are Jason's big speech overlaid with all of the uh, preparations that the Rangers are doing. And we get so many amazing character moments. What's great is in this top panel, uh, like you see green hyperforce in, in the back, you see Preston Ninja Steel Blue. And I, I love that we get Arcuro, red alien ranger, and his big, weird alien head helmetless. <laughs> that is awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm glad we get to see Eric unmorphed briefly and reconnecting with Jen. This moment here with Magna Defender, who we now know from Beyond the Grid, is Mike. So he's like, you're kind of a helmet on guy, huh? And <laughs> he yeah. just says, yes. <laughs> cool. <laughs> It's such a great in joke uh, yeah. if if you're a longtime Power Rangers fan. Yeah, and look, look at look at Phantom Ranger, man. He's got like this cool like James Dean swagger, <laughs> just chilling, so casual. I love it. And great shot, uh, brief shot of Chloe from Hyperforce in the back. Mm-hmm. That that's pretty cool. And speaking of Hyperforce. <laughs> Uh, we got Jack Thomas over here comparing his hammer with Dustin's hammer from Ninja Storm. <laughs> it sounds dirty if you think about it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Size don't matter. Oh, yours can make earthquakes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. It's kind of the best. That's what she said. That's what she said. Future Trini donning the Black Dragon armor for this battle. I want a figure of that now, yesterday, last year. Yeah. That's pretty sweet. <laughs> and then you see the shot of, of Grace, and this is pretty much like, hey guys, stick around for Beyond the Grid coming up next issue. Yeah. Because you have Cam, Tanya, Carone, Andros, Dark Ranger, uh, who we find out is Heckle, and, and Mike, they're all making their way to Promethea to launch that. And then, oh, hey, here's Ranger Slayer Kim from last issue, if you've been keeping up with Go Go Power Rangers. That ties in all together. And uh, Jason's epic speech, they're all standing on top of the command center with all the Rangers and, and all the Megazords. What a freaking awesome shot. Let me, t- let me take it back to that last page for a second. That last panel with Kim. And Grace, I love that she says, we have a moon rescue to pull off. And, yeah. like, the look on Grace's face. Just so- Oh. Oh. I didn't even think soon. about that. <laughs> <laughs> like, she doesn't even know what she did. She's just, like, talking casualty. Like, Grace is just, like, full of hatred right there. Like, what the f*** did you just say? <laughs> like, I'm about to snap it off up in here. <laughs> Oh my God, that didn't even occur to me. (laughs) She's like, then I am not the one to ask. (laughs) (laughs) And the fact they bolded moon rescue. Oh man, man, these guys are good. (laughs) But then, you know, Jason's like, we are power Rangers and power Rangers. 
it's such a team up moment. It's that Russia feeling. And then it doesn't compare to what happens next, man. No, something we ah. have never seen in the show. And what a beautiful way to tie it all off. Uh, just because Kimberly has gone through so much in shattered grid. And this is like the ultimate tribute. Jason gives her the dragon shield powers and she's crying and the way that she powers up and then that panel where she hugs him. My God. Yeah. How awesome. Yeah. yeah. I think Kim with the, with the dragon shield and then what she does with her bow, like later on with it, I think I legit think that's like my favorite part of all of shattered grid, which is crazy to say, cause there's so much good stuff in this, but it's just so like poignant and, it's just such a perfect like capper to her whole character arc and everything. Yeah. It's, and 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 I still like I didn't expect anything like that to happen, but it totally makes sense and it totally it's just so good. Especially when you remember that even in My More Power Rangers season 2, that moment where Tommy handed her the dragon dagger and she used it as an arrow. Yeah. Right, right. And the fact that that ties together in a whole new context for what she <laughs> does with it is pretty freaking incredible. Yeah. The Rangers all teleport to the desert, and there was a lot of confusion from people because people were saying, oh, well, this battle takes place on the moon, right? But no, there was a few things I saw on Twitter from Daniele and Kyle confirming and Kyle and Boom Room. Uh, you guys should really check out the Boom Room from Ranger Danger. Those guys interview Kyle for every issue and the other writer, Ryan Parrott, for GoGo. So if you want it straight, not just our commentary, but if you want like straight from the guys who created it, uh, that's the way to go. But there was a lot of fusion, I guess, from readers uh, how this took place. So they basically teleported from the desert in our universe to the desert in Draken's world, which has the power tower that supplies all the sentries. And the guys in Promethea are going up to the moon where that prison is, where they're holding all the rangers. Which you can tell because it's like got it's built around the Bandora Palace. Mm-hmm. So just for our listeners, just kind of clearing all that up. But then we yeah. got this shot of uh, Draken's new army. Uh, he's been busy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we got these like really freaking cool Dino Charge Gold sentries. And I really like uh, the white rhino sentries. It was kind of unexpected. I wasn't thinking uh, they would make sentries, but like it's so, so cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and they're they're just like beefy, and they have a shield that forms uh, a rhino horn that they could charge into. It's just <laughs> a really well thought out design. And we almost have Jason and Lauren kiss. At least that's what I thought was going to happen. Their love is explosive. Literally, because they explode in the next panel. (laughs) And that's from the new in-space silver sentries that have jetpacks and cool, like, atmospheric breathing tubes on their helmets. (laughs) That's an awesome design. It totally gave me a a Rocketeer vibe with that. Yes, Rocketeer. And then all the Red Rangers form up into Battleizer, which is great, because I I I love love seeing spd battleizer it's a nice touch <laughs> and quantum rangers dumb inline skate battleizer <laughs> <laughs> 
and yeah, just uh, everyone charging full blast with the big uh, Megazords booming in the background. Seeing all of them power up like that and, and doing the, the totally Disney thing of saying, ready, <laughs> is just really cool. I love it. Uh, and then the weird team up of uh, Ninjor, Zordon, Doggy, and Rita talking about the green candle, which finally comes to pass after issue 22 being seen last. So that was eight issues ago, and they're finally pulling out the green candle. I thought it was a brilliant move. Draken's power is based on the Green Ranger, and it's like a house of cards. If you topple the base it kind of all comes crashing down. And I thought it was a brilliant solution to kind of take him down a bit. Yeah, and it totally makes sense to why, uh, and it gives credence to why Zoran was like, we need her. Mm-hmm. But it also makes me wonder how much knowledge Zordon has of this world, like the creation of the Green Ranger and all that. So, And that was the thing, like her deal with the Wizard of Deception was pretty confidential so i don't think he necessarily knew that she had something to take down the green ranger but i think he knew enough that she was tied to the green ranger obviously because of everything that they dealt with in green with evil so that she would know some way to take out those powers and it just so happened that oh hey here's that thing i got eight issues ago here you go (laughs) i think they had a discussion uh, off screen But then we get battles everywhere. We see the Hyperforce Megazord in action, which is pretty sweet. This really cool moment of Gia using Mystic Force Yellow Chip's powers. And he's like, oh man, I got to get my eyes checked. And, And she's like, oh, sorry, but your lightning powers are great. He's like, I'm not complaining, whatever works for you. But kind of cool that it's kind of confirmation that the Super Mega Force Rangers can use other powers that are still active at the same time. Right. Yeah. Like that was yeah. something that they never really addressed in, in the series. It's like, it does, do these keys have the, the powers inside them or do they just have access to it? Yeah, and so I, I think that was a, a pretty cool way to to do it. We've got all the Gold Rangers attacking, and I like how they kind of paired everyone up. That was pretty cool. And, you know, we've got Jen uh, saying, hey, Chloe, do you still have that scythe? It's time to break it out. And that's great because Jen was her mentor in Hyperforce. Hmm. We've got the two wolf rangers fighting. You don't see all of RJ, but that's definitely his fist. <laughs> <laughs> and with the scythe thing, with the hyperforce scythe thing, uh, I remember seeing online, I don't know if you guys caught it, but uh, there was a discussion yeah. between the actors and they were like, what? You had a scythe? She's like, yeah, it just cost too much to, to actually use it. So I never <laughs> pulled it out. <laughs> <laughs> Finally got to use it. <laughs> Draken gets on the field and... I guess kills Levi. <laughs> yeah. Poor Levi. And sucks away his powers. And then Gia says, Hey, we've got a bigger problem and it's mother F and Serpentera. Right. <laughs> Which they reference in Hyperforce. I have seen this page, man. And like, I was so happy for Kim. I was really happy that she <laughs> pilot the Megazord. Her first day on the job. What happens? <laughs> What happened? Tell, tell the people what happened. Oh, God. Yeah, this epic shot and just the scale of Serpentera. It, 
It eats it for breakfast. It just swallows it. Just comes up, chop, done. And that's the thing. Like these freaking Zords are already scale wise pretty huge. Mm-hmm. It just really drives the point of how freaking massive Serpentera is. Yeah, when when I was watching this show when I was younger, I never really got it because I had like in scale the figures. So you got you stand up Serpentera. And it's not much bigger than the Thunder Megazord. So you're just sitting there. That's kind of what you see in your head when you're playing with these figures. Mm-hmm. But this totally shows the reality of actually how bad <laughs> Serpentera is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because you hear like, oh, he's got like the breath laser that kills everything in just one shot. If, if it just lets it out once, like eternity is dead. But you don't really get that from the show and we see it he blasts three megazords like that they're, they're gone they yeah dead. they're just zap they're dead they're gone and then they even bring it out here and it's like yep that's uh four megazords down <laughs> like that yeah and then one of uh, the alien rangers getting blown away and i i like the little detail you see his big alien face screaming and <laughs> his big alien face <laughs> so, sorry i can't i can't remember half of the alien rangers names half the time i think it's sestro i don't know it doesn't matter because he's dead. <laughs> yeah this one panel of like all the battleizers kind of coming together and failing <laughs> and just that he knocks them all away and then the most epic shot of all Ooh. is this spread. I love like the mixture of green and pink colors like surrounding oh, it. It's so good. The colors are fantastic. This whole thing is freaking amazing. And just Kim screaming, "Hey, absorb this!" And he's like, "What?" <laughs> it's such a Kimberly like Kimberly quip. <laughs> yeah, oh, it's so good. And he's like, "Oh yeah, you landed your best shot. Hey, let me return the fit." And all the cracks that are appearing on his body. And then she's running up to make the killing blow, but he just is being transported away, which is crazy. Yeah. And then Rita's sitting on the throne. They're all there. And all right. Hey, we just uh, lit this candle, did a spell. It's all built on my foundation. And she's breaking that foundation. And then Rita actually wants to kill him. And Zorn's like, whoa, whoa, we we didn't agree to that. And then they're about to go into another argument, and they all get zapped from Finster 5 wielding the freaking Lord Zed staff that was chilling in the back. <laughs> like, that that was unexpected, like, so unexpected. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, oh, hell yeah, Finster 5, I shouldn't be rude for you, but that was pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. I like he's like, I've been waiting a long time to do that. Right? <laughs> and then he's like, oh, well, we'll just get rid of it. He whacks the candle. And then, you know, Draken starts saying, hey, I got to go get all the other morphers. And Fencer 5 has been telling him this whole time, that will kill you. You know, you're my family. I care about you too much. And Draken, hey, thanks for everything, my friend. And snaps his neck, which we actually get to see this time around. Dragon's crack. That's another one. Dragon's crack. <laughs> oh, God. But you also see that 
Draken isn't happy about this. He's actually shedding tears for Finster Five. I mean, this was the the monster creation that he made that he hugged back in issue twenty six. I love their like twisted relationship. Like the only friend that he has, and he still and he still ends up killing him. Like he kills all of his friends. <laughs> Anyone remember that show, My Pet Monster? No, okay, <laughs> I, I do, I do. <laughs> And then, you know, we get, oh, the, these shots, everyone's trying to do their best against the, the sentries. Um, I really like that they included Ziggy's, like, wild axe moves. Because that, <laughs> that's what he does in RPM. He just loses control of that axe. Uh, and it's perfect. <laughs> and then we get this panel. Draken enters the room where he gets all the powers. And what a great tension to detail because Finster was warning him about multiple morphers and you actually see multiples of the same morphers connected. You see two of the dino thunder morphers, which makes sense because Kira's with all of them. You see the overdrive, you see Casey jungle fury morpher, the overdrive trackers, the dino charge blasters, TJ's in space morpher, the Lost Galaxy Morphers. See, all these Morphers. And he pushes that bun and it fades to white. It ends existence. And that's how they leave issue 30. And like, what the hell just happened? <laughs> <laughs> so thoughts on on this issue. I know, uh, Jeremy, you had some, some issues with just that kind of ending. Yeah, it, it's like it left off and I was just like, what am I supposed to do with that? What is this, man? <laughs> Yeah, but it's, def- like, it's there definitely some really yeah. great moments in there, like the the Megazord fight. Uh, I really liked the Serpentera showing mm. the scale of that. Beast. Oh, they did a great job showing the scale in, in this comic. Mm-hmm. And then the relationship between Draken and Finster Five, what he's willing to sacrifice for what we have no idea. Like at this point, we still have no idea what his intentions are or why he's even doing this. Right. It's been kind of driving me mad at this point. I'm just like, all right, so you're sacrificing, like you're pretty much only friend. You're only confidant here. Like anybody that will stand next to you, that's like your bestie. And you just snap his neck and you cried about it. So what (laughs) so important, like why are you, what's your motivation? Yeah. What could be so important that you're literally sacrificing anyone who's shown you, any bit of compassion not only that you're willing to sacrifice yourself because he warned him like this is going to kill you and Mm -hmm. so if you're not worried about your mortality like what are you trying to reach i thought it was just about power early on Mm -hmm. like he just wanted to be the best but then it started to shift and it's like we had this paradigm thing going on and it got me confused for a bit so i Mm -hmm. really needed that next issue so i understand why this issue was written the way it was at first, I was kind of upset because, like I said, everybody hyped it up. And I'm like, I don't get it. I don't mm-hmm. get why this is such a good issue. But the more I read and the more I thought about it, especially after 31 came out, that's when it made sense. Right. And Shatter Grid 1, uh, th- this is the conclusion. So if you haven't picked it up, please read it because you're missing something if you went from 30 to 31. Mm -hmm. Um, you're definitely missing a huge piece of the puzzle in different interviews. Kyle has said that, that this, this single issue, which is an oversized issue is literally the back third of shattered grid. And, and it's true. This is, this is like two issues worth of story right here. This is an oversized episode, and this is the back third of our <laughs> man power hour. 
<laughs> I'm going to try to breeze through it a little bit. I just want to highlight some pretty epic moments, but we see everyone getting devastated. Like people are, are dying left and right, and they're able to scrounge up the whatever Zords are left to combine to form the, which with one of the uh, cover variants, I guess the official name is the, the Mega Megazord. Why? <laughs> they totally didn't think about it. <laughs> I actually like to call it the what do we call it Zord. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, we'll stick with that. So the what do we call it Zord. I just love this shot of the Rangers and two purple Rangers and a That's pink so cool. Ranger. So good. It's cool. And all their visors are cracked. Every single one of these Rangers visors are cracked. And it's awesome. It's Dragon's Crack. The return. It's dra- <laughs> Dragon's Crack part two. <laughs> But with the Hyper Force Megazord as a base, they're able to form all the remaining parts and bits of all the Zords that have been destroyed uh, in this battle and pieced together. And uh, Dan Mora, I think, because he did the cover for the Mega Megazord variant, and there's this one graphic they did that kind of pointed out all the bits and pieces from different Megazords. And it's not just the three that they summon. There's there's little bits of like the Ninja Storm Megazord. And that was an epic shot of all of them in, in the cockpit. Yeah, the helmet shot. I was going to make note of that if you didn't, man. That, that helmet shot is beautiful. Mm-hmm. It's a really great lineup. And then Jason has Noah summon the Q-Rex drill zord and i geeked out because i just love the shot of the mmpr red ranger in the freaking super mega force cockpit like it's just so cool like it could only happen in in an event like this yep but chompy chomp chomp (laughs) he's dead Uh, you got lauren screaming out jason but it knocks out the tower, which he made the ultimate sacrifice. You're looking at Billy and Trini here in the same panel, too. And they're, like, looking. They're like, again? Really? Jason? Come on. <laughs> because they were doing the same thing when the Grave Zord plowed right through the Tyrannosaurus Zord. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like a callback to that. It's like, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's true. Wow. Yeah. So everyone's losing their powers and they use the top of the tower to stab Serpentera in the back, which is just freaking awesome. And I also wanted to point out again with scale, uh, the, whatever we call it, Zord, the mega mega Zord is just as big as Serpentera. And that was brilliant because they even said that they used Trini's black dragon tech to enlarge oh right Mm. yeah yeah trini we're gonna need the black dragon to make this thing grow i love it it's so awesome so that that's the only way that they could have dealt that final blow to serpentera but it doesn't matter because draken has his shattered reality and you see this gigantic draken and i just i love that jen says not again like like she recognizes the energy signature she knows what's going on and i i just love that before it fades to white she's the one screaming out not again and then it's over no, yeah the whole issue's <laughs> done no 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 yeah <laughs> what a sad ending <laughs> but then we we switch back to promethea and 
we kind of get a little taste of what's going to happen in, in Beyond the Grid. You see the unmorphed rangers are being rescued by the Beyond the Grid team or what will become the Beyond the Grid team. That action shot of Dark Ranger in the first panel is Oof. pretty awesome. Yeah. yeah, kick right to the helmet. It's nice. And then you see TJ and Kelsey here, but you also see Casey from Jungle Fury. Mm-hmm. Which is nice. And and we yeah. know because we saw his glasses in, in Draken's room. Uh, so that's pretty cool. And they see the crack on Earth, and they're in space, and they're starting to transport away, and then they also fade to white. So that's the setup for Beyond the Grid, as we'll see. And now the artist completely changes. This was so crazy to me. We essentially get Draken's dream world. It's it's pretty much Tommy with Mom Pocket. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But Rita and Zordon. Right. Yeah, that was pretty cool. And it looks like Barza. Doggy Kruger as a literal dog. <laughs> as the family pet. <laughs> he creates this universe and and he's young. It's like young looking Tommy. And he's basically Superman. That's what yeah. this is. He's Superman. And got the shirt rip and everything. Yep. We see Dragon Zord, Tiger Zord, but they're being piloted by Jen and someone else. But he's used every one of these rangers that have survived and twisted them into his sick reality. You get these, uh, like, the energy signatures, like the spirits of the Zords or whatever you want to call it, the powers that you fought to make the coin in the first place. Yeah, from Ninjor, right. Yeah. That's what I do like about this whole finale issue is that it feels like the culmination of all these story points coming together. I mean, we can talk a little bit about the details, but overall, I was really impressed with this issue. I was confused a little bit, but I started to see what they were going with. And the thing that's interesting to me about Draken, and we can talk about this, is really just the psychology of what makes him tick. Because... The only reason that he's gone crazy is because out of all the multiverse, he's the Tommy that failed. Mm-hmm. He's the Tommy that never became good. He's the Tommy that turned to evil out of all the multiverse. And that's why he knows he's the not perfect one. And it's driving him literally crazy. That's why he's become such a sociopath and is killing different versions of himself because they've all succeeded. He is the only failure. It's really powerful. Mm-hmm. What are your guys' thoughts on this? Yeah, I, I totally agree. One of the things that I think I really loved about the finale in general is how it's not like a flashy, like big like battle royale kind of thing. It's a very quiet, really introspective kind of finale but yeah like I, I agree with what you said i feel like i love that it all just hinges on draken just having like really super crazy deep-seated self-esteem issues essentially mm-hmm. which is a type of thing that like the show has always dealt with so often you know usually a little more of like a simplistic way of just general self-confidence but that's always been a theme that's persisted throughout it and for this to just to be like kind of that twisted side of it where just having like low self-esteem but like dealing with it in the worst possible way it is really interesting, and it really makes him such a really interesting character. Yeah, and I really like that. Even in his own head, he can't really do anything right. Like he can't, he can't. <laughs> even himself is fighting against himself. 
Mm-hmm. And he gets stripped down to basically nothing, and he's literally fighting himself. I get confused, like, towards the end, where all the rangers are, like, splitting in half, and they're talking to him and stuff like that, and then people are coming out of, I guess, the, what would you say, like, the mind control, or... Because this is all in his head, so I'm like, they're not really real, but they're real, and... I don't think it was supposed to be that it was all in his head. I think he just created one reality out of the multiverse. Yeah, that's what happened. He created... But that's that's, what, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, if he created it, like, it's dream world or whatever, or is it a product of his action? No, no. He basically shaped the universe to what he exactly wanted it. But here's the thing. This is why he stole powers instead of straight up killing people. Because if you look at it, whoever was playing Serpentera, Draken wasn't doing that. He didn't kill Rangers. He was capturing them. And sure, some fell in, in that mega battle. But because all of these people, like all the Rangers that we know, Billy, Zack, Jason, Trini, he essentially grabbed them and all the Rangers and stuck them into these subservient roles because it's like the ultimate gloat. He is a huge freaking bully and all he wants is like, it's no fun in killing someone because if you kill someone, you can't gloat over them. You can't hold it over their head. And even though they're brainwashed here to be subservient to him, he knows in the back of the mind, I got you, you're mine forever. And I'm controlling you. A king is, is not a king without a kingdom. So you can't. I think, I think the confusing thing for me was the contrast between the Rangers that were like brainwashed, you know, they started coming out of it and you're like, Hey, we're here. Well, they only came out of it because of, of the emissaries and, and and Tommy. Tommy. Yeah. The good Tommy. Yeah. (laughs) What I wanted to ask is, so you know how he's always flying around fighting these like spectral monsters and whatnot. Do you think that's the powers rebelling against him because he shouldn't have them? Or do you think that's like a part of his own subconscious that like, Mm realizes like if there's any part of him that's still good like trying to bring him to his senses i think it's both i think because they describe this master uh crystal i forget exactly what they call it um yeah it's what is part of of the morphing grid so in a way it's almost like the morphing grid is rebelling against him but it's also part of his psyche because like jeremy said these are the same specters that he fought to convince ninjor that he was worthy to have his coin reformed. It's only his powers that are uh, manifesting themselves in this way. Right. It's not anything else that's connected to the morphing grid. It's something familiar to him. So maybe it has something to do with that. Well, we do see, we do see like a bear and an ape at at one point, like later on that he's fighting with the energy beasts, but they're just not the ones that are the most prominent. So that's why I, right. I agree that it's probably like a combination of the two where he's letting it happen, but it is, it is actually manifesting because it's the powers rebelling. Yeah. And uh, especially the ones that take center stage are the white tiger and right. the Falcon. <laughs> exactly. And then like, it confuses me a little because of how Zordon and Rita and Doggy are represented here. It doesn't seem like they are just brainwashed people. They seem to be new manifestations. And so if Well, I don't think I don't think they're meant to be anybody's meant to be brainwashed. I think he did build this reality and like created these like these this is the these are the lives these people are living and I think what the emissary are doing aren't like restoring memories that have been brainwashed out of them. They're actually giving them the memories 
of the previous selves from the previous reality just because they have the ability to do that. You can really interpret it a lot of ways. Right. It's pretty crazy and deep. <laughs> yeah, it definitely requires, uh, you know, multiple reads. But, God, and when our good universe Tommy starts manifesting, I just like this one panel where he punches a skyscraper and talk about shattered grid. Like, literally, it's <laughs> like shattered mirror here. It's just all these different lives. And, and that's why like, I don't know, because I, I think part of it is I don't want to say they're brainwashed, but I think it's them. Like he didn't kill them. He just brought them into his world and gave them new roles. So it's like yeah. a pocket, pocket dimension, like the command center. I mean, but I it's think like this, on a whole universe. Yeah, this is reality. Yeah. I think the whole implication is that he, I mean, it's, it's sort of like what other comics of like DC and Marvel, I think have both done where they literally just destroyed all of the multiverse in general. Um, and then create, it and condensed one. it into just this one. Yeah. And I think that's, that's what setting off the beyond the grid storyline is because they basically are caught out literally outside of reality because at, in their timeline, this is the only reality that's existing right now is his because he, he when he approaches Kim, she mistakes him as Draken and, and bows to him. And he's like, all I need you to do is remember. And he zaps her. And I think all these memories coalesce. And I think that's the power that the emissaries gave him was to restore them to their natural selves. And that's why, you know, they all have this big reunion with Tommy. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely like kind of that, that very big, like, unfathomable comic book logic that exists but i think it's the rules that it's established it's still playing within them um mm -hmm. it's just yeah but there, there's there's surely a lot of ways you can interpret it yeah and i'm glad they brought back the emissaries from the free comic book day special it did show that draken in his ultimate form beat them and grabbed the heart of the master there's this implication that there's other masters out there but this is the one that mattered because once he had that heart, he was able to make all the other universes destroyed. Because it says right here, with the other masters whereabouts unknown, we could only watch as Draken stood before the multiverse itself as he took dimensions, worlds, universes, and simply made them cease to exist. Then in their place created this. So there, there is definite, like, this is the only reality that he created. Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, they go toe-to-toe -to -toe with him a bit, but they're getting wiped by Draken, and then Lorne and Den come with the Tiger Zord and, and Dragon Zord. They keep fighting just enough for our good Tommy to grab the heart of the Master, and then they enter this black void and fight each other. This is the ultimate fight, because it's not just about physical, it's about... Tommy's strength as a good person versus the worst version of himself. This whole issue is like freaking deep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I keep staring at this panel that's coming up, man. I, I just... Which one? Okay. So there's, uh, it's where you got this dimensions, Tommy, the green, good Tommy. And you got Draken is staring off in the distance and he's being like touched on his shoulders by uh, Mystic Force, Samurai oh, Blue, yeah. Yeah, yeah. and mm -hmm. Zio and Alien Red. And you got this white tiger staring directly at Draken. And I'm like, 
Oh, trying to yeah. This, like, what, what is this about? Because he turns away, but that's what he turns away to. And I'm like, everything's all going white and everything's kind of going away. Does he surrender to the white tiger? I think he knows that his time is up. Yeah. And he's just facing like his final moments. And you're right. I, I didn't really notice that before. I'm looking at now because Tommy's going through the portal with the emissaries and leaving Draken to his fate. But that speaks volumes about Tommy's character. And at least in the comics, even after all of this, after Draken has destroyed everything, Tommy is still reaching out to forgive him and give him a second chance. And Mm -hmm. that is freaking awesome. Yeah. One of the things I really loved about this is that it's not just the end of shattered grid, but it's a really good capper to, like the entire run, like Kyle Higgins' entire run, um, beginning with Tommy, because the the whole opening arc of it was about like Tommy trying to learn to like trust people, and you know the, the general ideas of like we you know how important friendship is and everything, but also the idea of like being able to forgive himself for all the bad things he did when he was the evil Green Ranger, yeah. and so he literally gets a chance to try to save himself, yeah, and, literally, and actually forget, literally forgive himself for like being evil. And the only reason that he's able to be as strong as he is, is because he like understands the power of having his friends and, and loved ones behind him and everything. So it's like, it's a perfect capper to his entire character arc, which is funny because he's been dead for like how, how many issues at this point too. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's, it's really well done. I know people complain about this being a a Tommy centric uh, comic, but yeah, he was missing for five issues of this thing. <laughs> like, and yeah. and Gogo doesn't even deal with him. And and sure, like Dragon is you know evil Tommy. But at the same time, even after this, we're gonna have this. However long beyond the grid lasts, it could last a year. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Where we don't even have these characters anymore. Right. right. And, you know, I think it's funny, uh, you were mentioned about how Tommy's died for, I don't know, for so long now. And I'm like... <laughs> Jesus? I, no. I, just, <laughs> I just don't care about that Tommy anymore. He is risen. Like, Tommy died, and I'm like, yeah, you're not important anymore. <laughs> but, like, when he died, it was just like, oh, <laughs> Tommy died. <laughs> My childhood. <laughs> no. Yeah. And then, like, now I'm just like, yeah, I don't even care. That Tommy's gone, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, no, Tommy's a kebab. (laughs) (laughs) It gets real metaphysical at the end. We start talking about um, them not remembering if they can reset the universes and existence can be returned to its original form best as it can. It's like a shattered pane of glass. If you glue it back together, it's not everything's going to fit exactly together like it was, which has some interesting implications. I think part of that is what we're seeing and beyond the grid. Right. I think that's where they're going with this. But what I love about this ending is that despite all of the risks, like they know that they might lose all of their memories. They're going to lose all the friendships that they develop through shattered grid, but it's a small sacrifice to save the entire multiverse. Mm-hmm. And they finally understand that. Yeah. And what Jason says, it doesn't, mean that it won't have any meaning it doesn't mean it didn't matter like yeah even if they forget even if it doesn't work at least they tried and even if they don't know it the fact still remains that they were able to save the entire universe and that's huge 
Yeah, I'm really glad that they included that conversation because I knew that there were going to be people who were complaining, like, oh, it's a reset button. It means it doesn't matter. Like, because any of it's, I, I, and I totally understand that sentiment because that can be a cop out sometimes depending on how it's used. But, like, I feel like it addressed it really well for one, like, the tragedy of it because, like you said, they are making a sacrifice by having, like, losing these memories and essentially, like, resetting the universe and having, undoing everything. But it's also, like, the fact that just because it was reset doesn't mean that it didn't happen, even if no one remembers it. And, like, even on a meta level, like, we all still read this. Like, even if the universe is reset and, you know, even if the next issue was just Mighty Morphin Power Rangers again, we still read this and and experienced this and learned about the characters and maybe even, like, learn things about ourselves while reading it, which is like exactly the point of stories, you know? Yeah. So that's kind of my rebuttal to the whole like reset button suck thing. Like not really, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Not, not if it's done well. And I think exactly. this was done well. Exactly. It makes sense in, in the context of everything that's happening. There wasn't really any other way to come out of the story, you know? Yeah. And on a different level, it gives people that complain about uh, being sick of Mighty Morphin, it's like they found a way cleverly over the past 30 so issues to keep Mighty Morphin but not have Mighty Morphin. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So from a business standpoint as well, I'm like, it's a stroke of genius, which is why I'm like, that's why this story is okay in a lot of ways other than, you know, just being a really good story and standalone and like the whole reset. It's like, it's like a win-win. Yeah, it really is. And if you do love Mighty Morphin, you still can always go back and read Gogo, which is still ongoing. So it's like best of both worlds. Yeah. Plus, it explains why they lost their memories in that episode of Hyperforce. Yeah. It does. That's true. Oh, man. Brains hurt. Brains <laughs> hurt. <laughs> One of the biggest things about the 25th anniversary was Shattered Grid. This, to me, was the ultimate culmination. I knew we wouldn't get in the show um dimensions in danger did surprise me more than i thought it would but the fact that we had such an amazing run of shatter grid we had so many issues that really tied it all together and that it ended the same month as as the anniversary month it was just well planned well timed well done and we still get more. We still have unanswered questions. Will we ever see the Mighty Morphin team again? Will we see the results of of the reset? Is that what Beyond the Grid is? Is it, it this journey? Are the Beyond the Grid Rangers going to come out the other side? And I know we're not going to be talking about Beyond the Grid this issue because we're already three and a half hours into this. But um, <laughs> there's so much story here that they can explore. And Derek, you're right. If people want more Mighty Morphin, you can always switch it up to GoGo. But what interests me is, wow, they have a whole new team of Rangers that have never interacted before, still representing the Ranger colors of the Mighty Morphin team, which is a stroke of genius. Yeah. But coming together on this new and wild quest, which feels very much like a Star Trek Twilight Zone lost in space kind of feel to it. And I am so ready for the next chapter of, of what's going to happen because I think the ripples of shattered grid are going to be felt for a long time coming. Yeah. And I want to make a note to bring in 
some of the major players over at Saban Brands that made this cohesive and you know very structured way. You were talking about how things were super planned very well to the detail. And that wouldn't be without Jason Bischoff and Melissa Flores over at Saban Brands because they were they had their hands in that. They had their hands over uh, Hyperforce and everything that they did. And so the love and respect that they gave the franchise up until the end where they didn't know if they were transitioning over to Hasbro at that time. They gave their all. And I just want to take a little moment of recognition out for them because oh, that – that that is some genius work and dedication. We've talked about this before on Ranger Command, just the way that they're able to now have this brand cohesion where you see stuff going on in Hyperforce that affects the comics, that affects the show, that this happens and this happens. And yeah, Dimensions in Danger mentioned uh, Tommy's son, JJ. Yeah. That's going to be in soul of the dragon coming out december and then confirming cat and tommy right and so all of these different mediums where as a kid you may be watching the show but as an adult you can see how they're all piecing things together and pulling from this massive lore of 25 years and i think that's the beauty of shatter grid is that they were able to pull and have these moments only because of 25 years of Power Rangers, we've known these characters for so long. And Kyle Higgins and, and Ryan Parrott and Daphna over at Boom Studios and all the editors and writers and, and just the collaborative process to bring together a cohesive story that does not fall flat on its face. In in fact, it it continues for the next year or however long that they're going to continue uh, the story. So if you asked me three years ago after the whole paper cuts disaster, if, if we'd ever get good power ranger comics again, I, I don't know what I would have told you, but I wouldn't have expected all of this. Oh man. Yeah. Not at all. And not for the timing to work out for the 25th anniversary. Are you kidding me? Right, and you were talking about, you know, as adults, and we're, we're dealing with the story and how we can appreciate it, but as an adult, I feel like we expected this kind of synchronicity and cohesion with things like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the MCU and the Netflix series for Marvel. Like, right. uh, I'm a big fan of those properties, and they just kind of dropped the ball on that kind of situation. They could have worked so well together, and then they failed where I feel the Power Rangers brand excelled. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel the same frustrations as, as you with the Marvel Universe. I mean, that's a whole nother discussion. But yeah, the way that they weren't able to get those two universes to, to truly gel like they should have. And it's all because of producers' egos and, and all of this stuff and showrunner and and movie runner egos and all that crap. Thank mm-hmm. God that the teams at Boom Studios, at Saban Brands, now Hasbro, everyone is able to collaborate and come together and develop something that truly has made the 25th anniversary something to celebrate. And not just the 25th anniversary. It's a franchise in a whole. It's something that I feel has reignited energy into something that a lot of people were just kind of uh, falling asleep on. 
Mm-hmm. Yep. And so I feel without Shattered Grid and then the transition between the companies and everything, I think I'd start to worry, but I don't have those worries anymore. Right. Like I don't have um, lost feelings of hope, like, oh, what's going to happen to this brand that I grew up with? I honestly have no worry about the future of the franchise at this given moment. Yeah, and I mean, I've said before on this show, I was kind of going to hang it up after the 25th anniversary, just because at this same point in time last year, we really had no hope. It was kind of just like, oh, well, things are just going to continue like this forever. And then we just kept getting announcement after announcement. Bandai, Hasbro, Hasbro again, Saban Brand's closing, but Hasbro. And we haven't even seen what they're going to do yet with Beast Morphers, but um, just the fact that throughout this whole transition, the Boom comics have been the one consistent thing that I can rely on during that transition. And that has been the glue kind of holding this 25th anniversary together. And the fact that even in Power Rangers Legacy Wars, we've been getting the Boom Rangers coming into this. And again, the brand cohesion that has been developed through this comic is huge. And I don't think anyone can take that lightly. Yeah. Like you were mentioning this time last year and like all the, the things that were happening. I think I, I started feeling that way when I heard about Greg from Bandai mm-hmm. and his positivity and his voice that wasn't going to be there in the brand anymore, the franchise in a official capacity and that changing I think that was the moment where I felt a decline and I, I started thinking, uh, man, I'm kind of worried here. There's some products that are coming out in the toy line and, uh, the show is not really hitting for me. And I want to sit down and watch this with my son and he's nine and he's at that age to where, you know, it could be, I'm getting a little too old for power Rangers right. or this thing or that, because, when I started watching Power Rangers, I was just about to be a teenager. Mm-hmm. And so I was like in middle school or just at the very end of elementary. And when it came out, it was totally different from any kind of shows that we ever seen. And, you know, everybody can relate to this. That's probably listening to this podcast. But I also got to that point where I'm like, maybe I'm a little too old. And, you know, I'm not really connecting with these characters anymore. Mm-hmm. And I felt that same way i'm like i don't want to you know watch this with my kid because it's just a bunch of silly like fart humor it's the silly humor and stuff like that yeah and yeah it's like things like this that really injected a whole brand new light into the franchise and i can't be more appreciative and i really hope that we can see a lot more products and stuff coming out of it because Give me those action figures based on Shattered Grid, please. I want yeah. Sentries, I want Draken Evolution Forms, I want Ranger Slayer, Black Dragon figure, give me all of it. Give me some t-shirts too. Like, I'm not even just talking about toys. Like, put some of that stuff on t-shirts. I know we got some or Shattered Grid like covers. They had that at like Spencer's and stuff like that. Yeah, give us some more designs. I mean, yeah. put Dan Mora's art on anything. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, like, like you said, uh, all these products coming out with the, the tabletop, the Heroes of the Grid. Oh, my like, God. That looks so good. Or even like 
nice glass tumblers. I would buy like you know how they used to do those really nice ones. Like you used to see them at like oh yeah, even like McDonald's and stuff mm. back in the day. Used to do similar things where just like you could even buy them at Target. Like just a set of four glasses with like a character on each or something like that. Oh yeah, I love that. They had it for when Star Trek rebooted in the movies, and they had like mm-hmm. four collectible glasses that you could get at <laughs> Burger King. And yeah, yeah. I sure shit got all four of those. <laughs> <laughs> Did all the like cartoons, like uh, the Hanna Barbera stuff. They yeah. got like those glasses and stuff like that. They just got to get on it, man. I'm hopeful. That's the unknown thing right there. I'm hopeful that we'll a bunch of this stuff. And having a baseline of like Marvel Legends and stuff, I know what the capabilities are. And their Transformers line. There's a lot of exciting possibilities. Yeah, and possibilities are really there. And that's what's driving me forward as a fan. Is like, man, I, I'm just I'm ready to get to April to see what was releasing. Toy Fair is going to be huge for us. Yeah, and you know, I see these things, these opportunities. They just released uh, about maybe a half a year ago that uh, Kickstarter drive where they did uh, the Java ship. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's that crowdfunded collectible thing. Yeah, and they're willing to take shots on that, that kind of idea, that forward-thinking idea in the industry. And I feel like what we showed them with Heroes of the Grid. We're willing to spend some money if the product is good. That's the thing. Right, and then so that opens up that kind of possibility. That makes me hopeful for just the toy line alone, I guess. The next big thing to see for me would be how Beast Morphers comes across. I'm hoping, man. I'm scared. <laughs> yeah, scared because you're you're thinking about them like squeaking on by on some BMX bikes. <laughs> <laughs> Any last thoughts on this whole Shattered Grid event? Chris, you've been kind of quiet, so, <laughs> so so let me hear your final thoughts. Well, obviously, there have been a couple of amazing designs that have come out of this, like giving us characters Draken and Ranger Slayer that didn't previously exist without this comic, and now we're seeing uh, Soul Ranger and Beyond the Grid. So if nothing else, I think it's amazing just for all the new content that this has given us. And also, I feel like the comics have kicked off this kind of new like brand synergy that we haven't seen before like you were talking before about Mm -hmm. um dimensions in danger where we see tommy has the mega morpher which is going to be uh something he has in that soul of the dragon comic and so you and he also talked about his kids so you have all these things where it's like i don't want to say they're almost proud of it now because i would have to (laughs) assume they were you know, had some kind of uh, a horse in the race at some point, but they're embracing the past and they're embracing the canon and the possibilities of of what they can do. I feel like if Shattered Grid has shared them anything, it's the fact that you can go back and reference old stuff and people will enjoy it and care about it and and really sign up and line up for it. So, yeah, I think it's neat that they're kind of interweaving things now and you're seeing Legacy Wars and you're seeing the comics and the TV show and things like that. So I'm hoping they do more stuff like that because I think on a whole, that's the kind of stuff that I really enjoy when they sew everything together. It's referencing old stuff without it just being like, shoehorned in obvious references or just like reusing the theme song or whatever it's actually integrating them and updating them and kind of giving giving it like the respect that you'd expect it to have that's one of the things that i've heard kyle say in past interviews it's like you know he wasn't doing some of this stuff just to do a cool thing he would incorporate things 
and parts of the canon when it made sense to do so from a storytelling point of view. Yeah, that's really important. To me, that's what I want. I don't want like complete fan service. I want stuff to matter. And yeah, I think I sure grid did that. Yeah, and I, I think you guys keep bringing up this point. I, I wanted to just kind of say it aloud that I'm done with these people talking about how this is just like bad glorified fan fiction oh it's like that miss me completely with that yes <laughs> that is oh my god that gets <laughs> so frustrated because of just how not bad fan fiction it is my thing that when, whenever i've seen that comment like oh the comics are just fan fiction well it's such a dismiss to the creators that bust their to make this all the sleepless night that kyle must have had just to write the thing and my god the sweat and tears that daniele and dan mora put into these art panels the talent is so amazing and to flippantly say that oh it's just fan fiction i'm sorry but you can right off because right doesn't even make any sense because so many properties nowadays have their own comic books like transformers buffy we mentioned earlier i mean there's creators and writers of these properties are people who grew up with it originally so in a sense yeah it's all glorified fan fiction fiction because (laughs) you have fans who are now the owners of and they're the creators and they're the contributors to this brand. They work their way up. Like even, you know, to, to bring like Star Trek Discovery into this, there's a writer on the staff of Star Trek Discovery who has literally been writing Star Trek books for so many years, which is not considered quote unquote canon of the show. But now she's on the writing staff making those ideas come to life in television and that's exciting and mm-hmm. once saban brands or once hasbro puts that stamp on it it's an official product it is now part of the show right. lore officially licensed. it is licensed that means they have gone through the approval process to say yep that is a product that we want to officially endorse because we help create it and we endorse it, that is now part of the official lore. So mm-hmm. any dismissive <laughs> of the actual comic book writers and stuff as fan fiction, I'm sorry, you, you can jump off a cliff because <laughs> that opinion <laughs> is not valid. It's just not. And, yeah, and I mean, it's one that... thing to argue canon versus non-canon, but fan fiction versus licensed property. I don't really see how there's any room to argue there. (laughs) And at the end of the day, anyway, the mentality is really dumb just because like of being insulting towards like people who write like fanfic, because like, what else do you do as a fan than like be creative about your fandom and do stuff all around. People write fan fiction and that's cool. These are people who are hired writers who are making licensed product. That's cool too. Like, why is that? Yeah. Why is saying fan fiction is a bad thing? We've all done stuff as content creators to embrace the show that we love in in our own ways. And, and to dismiss any of that, to me, that's a person who has no creative lick and is just complaining to complain. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, agree. I think the reason they use the term fan fiction is because like a connotation that's kind of come to have where it's like. Where it's automatically uh, bad. I, I get it. I get it. Oh, I don't even just mean that. I mean, like, people, you start shipping people and and random, 
it gets weird real quick. <laughs> Sometimes I think that's it's like the also, connotation. Uh, something that you can take and it's more or less to say anybody can do it, I think. Right. So why is it special? So right. I feel like it's, it's something to say that to take a pegs off and drop it down some, which I don't, I don't yeah. believe in. And I, I think the argument is silly when these people would say certain things like this, but then turn around and buy a mashup t-shirt on a pop-up t-shirt site, stealing intellectual property where you've got like Pokemon and Power Rangers coming <laughs> into the same shirt and they're like buying 20 of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, it's hypocritical. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and here's the thing. If you don't like the comics, then fine. Don't read them, but you don't have to go on this freaking war path and insult anyone who works on them. Cause you're just being a dick at that point. It, it, that kind of reminds me when certain people in the fandom try to attack actors because they feel like their seasons are. Shitty. I'm oh, like, yeah. that's why, why are you going to do that? I mean, like there's that infamous uh, clip with uh, Troy. Oh yeah. Yeah. From <laughs> Megaforce. It's like, how do you feel about having the worst season of Power Rangers ever? God. F that. Yeah. Come on. Like grow up. Yeah. <laughs> right. So, look, if if you don't like the comics, you're probably not even listening to this four-hour uh, spiel about <laughs> the finale of Shatter Grid. Yeah, I would have to ask why you got this far. <laughs> but for everyone that has stuck around, thank you. Stay tuned, because we have another 25-minute segment of Enway. Hyperforce creation of uh, Hyperforce Yellow, the making of. So stick around to that. I just want to have you guys give a chance to plug your things that is going on so chris why don't you start us off where can people find you what are you working on now uh give us the details oh, well thank you i do a podcast with brian aka collector shuki called geek each week although it's a bit of a misnomer at this point it's more like geek we or geek once a month <laughs> <laughs> but check back for updates you can find us on twitter at geek each week and facebook at geek each week although i'll be honest i don't really use facebook that much anymore but that's a rant for another day you can find me personally on twitter at clong83 and my youtube videos are youtube.com slash long stories all right jeremy how about you you can find me at uh, Dijusion ranger on twitter i know that's a bit to type out but <laughs> that's i collect megazord and Dijusion figures uh don't got too much going on just happy to be back and to celebrate more of the 25th anniversary with y'all oh thank you i'm glad you're back on to talk comics with us <laughs> it's been a while and then derek how about you sure uh you can find me on twitter at derek b gale you just see me talking about lots of like hot monsters and marge simpson <laughs> oh, yeah. and stuff um, i do have a lot of um I, I do have a couple of really cool things coming down the pipeline um including a power rangers related thing later this month so what? stay tuned for that yeah cool yeah <laughs> <laughs> and we'll talk about it all on ranger command <laughs> sure <laughs> plug away thank you everyone listening to this i'm glad you've made it through stay tuned we got a cool segment interview with nway games talking about the making of hyperforce yellow for the game so stay tuned right after this for that and again thank you guys for being on the show today it's really been a blast so thanks yeah Yeah, thanks for having me buddy all right bye guys it's time for a ranger command power rangers legacy wars segment from nway games
Today on the Power Hour, we have our next segment with Enway Games. This is the making of Hyperforce Yellow Ranger. And today we are interviewing Jesse Cherry, Senior Product Manager for Enway. Enway is a developer and publisher for free-to-play mobile multiplayer games. They were founded in 2011 by gaming and startup veterans who want to bring fun, console-quality multiplayer games to mobile platforming. They are the creators of Power Rangers Legacy Wars. So welcome to Ranger Command Power Hour, Jesse. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, and we're really glad to have you here. So tell us a little bit about your role at Enway. Yeah, that is something that it spreads pretty wide, mainly because I like doing a lot of this stuff. It's fun making games, and it's fun working on a mobile game in which you get to talk about things like balance changes and get to do things like giant tournaments in Las Vegas and aspects like that. But yeah, I run the gambit from working with scheduling to actually working on characters. Uh, Hyperforce Yellow is a character that I got to get nice and sort of dirty and hooking up his animations and aspects like that and working with the animators and vfx team to make sure that jack is feeling right oh that's awesome so pretty much you're the go-to guy from start to finish on something like this yeah it's a huge team effort for sure sure granted it's usually a single animator that works on it single vfx artist combat designer for the most part is sort of the whole team and then of course 3d modeler that sort of puts together the character in game and then the art and stuff comes from our awesome artists and then i'm there just helping make sure it comes together for the most part but they always do good work so what would you say is the most fun part of your job it's when you get to sit down and actually play it and then it's just everyone at the table is basically we'll take like an hour of the day we'll all play against each other and sort of testing out the character for the first time is really really fun i also love when I get to see a character. So it was really cool getting to see sort of Jack come into animation for the first time because Mm. he didn't exist. You know, there's no TV show that we're pulling from. (laughs) Right. I mean, he existed in Hyperforce, but it was one of those things getting to see him sort of lug his hammer around was this really cool moment that I get really giddy about that (laughs) I got to see him sort of come to life for the first time. And, And when I see that with certain characters or you see this attack that didn't make any sense and then you see the vfx come in like ranger slayer when i saw the animation mixed with her vfx that was something that just popped and it's really exciting knowing that you're gonna have thousands of people getting to play that and see that and it's, it's a cool cool feeling I was going to say, yeah, that has to be really cool to create the visual medium for something that hasn't existed like that before, to be able to say, we designed his moveset, we designed the way he moves, he looks. That's got to be super cool. Yeah, and it's awesome getting to meet the actors behind that and then actually talk to him. Getting to have Peter, when we were putting in Preston, come to the office and see the character and see his reactions was, even though that it existed, it was still really cool getting to pair it up with someone that feels that connection with that character and especially for interns and junior people on the staff they've been in school and then they come out of school and now they're making something that is actually going into people's hands and that is such a unique feeling knowing that millions of people play a game that you've worked on it's even hard to comprehend yeah that sounds like something that would be just so rewarding and fulfilling in the end especially for a character like jack from hyperforce because he just didn't exist in a like a physical 3d space 
So that's really cool. I wanted to ask, was Polly Schreier consulted during the development process for Jack's character since he came up with Jack's personality when he was playing on Hyperforce? Yeah, we actually talked to him a a decent amount. Luckily, we had a bunch of events that sort of hit all around that time. I got to meet him personally for the first time at Comic-Con, and that was a blast, just getting to sort of hang out and talk with him. And there are times we talk about the character, and then there's other times where he's just making jokes that, you know, (laughs) leave me almost on the floor laughing. And then Paramorphicon, seeing him there. When we weren't taking from the video, it was making sure that, that we were staying true to the character. So luckily, we got some of those moments. And then working with the Hasbro team that also really know them. They also make sure that we're hitting the right notes. Oh, for sure. And since Hyperforce is that streaming D&D style type of game, you mentioned that you watched some of the video. So what was part of the research process for researching the moves and translating that into this game? Yeah, it was sort of trying to get more of the vibe rather than exact moments because there are some of those iconic moments within the show, but you don't have timing, you don't have video references, and often in D&D sort of time can be warped. Um, Where, you know, yeah, that only took five seconds, but it was within a five minute span of explaining and and describing how that goes. So it's more about like making sure we got his personality in there, that we got to show off sort of that hammer and sort of his size in those aspects and really focusing on that rather than, okay, what is an exact moment where he hit someone? Can we make that work? It was more is this feeling true to this character? Is this something this character would do if we animated one of those D&D scenes? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You mentioned size, uh, and Hyperforce Yellow is obviously a big, beefy, tanky character. What were some of the challenges in creating that more beefy physique for the game? Yeah, it's one of those things you want him to feel big, but you don't want him to be slow. Because mm-hmm. uh, Slow isn't always fun to play with, but you want it to feel heavy. So it's making sure, sort of even more technical, I guess, it's making sure that your hit pauses are at the right points when you sort of slow down his animation. Really, it came down to our animator knowing how to work the hammer and making sure it felt heavy but could also move fast at the same time. It's just awesome to have a different size Power Ranger in the game. Mm -hmm. It's just a visual change of pace and that's really nice and being able to put in character played by paul is awesome huge fan growing up of vulcan skull and being able to put in an aspect of that was fantastic yeah as a bigger fan myself and i know eric probably feels the same way i do like having that representation is important and it's it's great to see that representation come to the game as well Yeah, I would love to see it in the shows. It would be awesome. But yeah, I'm glad we have that in the game. He's big, he's strong and powerful and stuff. Mm -hmm. We still gave him a bit of a goofy side at moments. (laughs) You know, even though, you know, his character in the show is described as, you know, very straight-laced and forward and serious. I feel like with D&D, it goes beyond just how is the character described. And it's more about the person playing that character and that holistic. uh, Yeah, absolutely point of view so we wanted to have a little fun i mean power rangers while the series moments are great you want to have some of that fun in there so he's awesome definitely a blast to work with so one of the things you talked about having a a bigger ranger in there and you don't want to slow him down i think to a character that's in the game already that's like really big and slow is black dragon 
So I'm just trying to get a sense of scale. How big is Jack? I know he's not going to be like, you know, Black Dragon size. <laughs> yeah. But I get where you're saying where a slower character, because Black Dragon is really slow, but at the same time, Jack's a ranger and, and rangers are powerful and can be really fast. How is it different from that technical standpoint? And and he talked a little bit about the hit pause. I don't know if that's something you can maybe expand upon a little bit. Yeah. So compared to like size wise, he's similar to that of almost like a Ryu, but looks a little bulkier because of the suit and those aspects. Because mm. the Street Fighter characters, like Street Fighter Five, has very big proportions. And especially when you compare that to our Ranger characters, they are big. So it's more of that. So it's it's a little smaller than Black Dragon, but he definitely could hold his own. <laughs> when it comes to making sure that a character feels heavy, hits hard, but doesn't feel sluggish, it really does come down to, okay, when he starts a combo, that first hit, okay, that does feel fast. And then after that, you can sort of guarantee that the rest of the sequence is going to happen. So you slow that down. I mm. mean, it's, it's the same thing of like a real human building momentum and making sure that once that momentum builds up, it keeps going because they are that size, because they have that power. That's a big part of getting that feeling right. So much is two characters can play exactly the same, but the presentation can make them feel so different. Mm -hmm. And I think he's a really good example of if we made someone like him, but sort of was more waifish in size, that they would just feel very different just because of the weight of the actual hits. Oh, sure. So speaking of his hits, give us the details on the actual character in the game. Yeah, so he is someone that in our game with a leader, we have... Primary slot, special slots. Primary mm -hmm. slots are generally more basic moves. He has two primary slots that sort of get him going. One's a big headbutt in which we actually have a sort of shape of a ram take over his head and then actually hit their opponent <laughs> and causing a stun. So it's a quick yeah. headbutt. He's a very physical character. We still wanted those VFX that spiced that up. So, mm -hmm. you know, we had to represent the ram beyond just his suit in there. So big headbutt. And then he has a move called Ram Rage, which he's basically just throwing punches and uppercuts. That is a defensive move that he can cancel out of. Mm -hmm. That's also a three cost. So both of his first slot abilities are really low cost, sort of open up the rest of his kit. And his special moves are a Ram Rush, which is a really big shoulder tackle. It has a lot of range, but it's a little slower. And then his sort of bread and butter is a five cost move called hammer time in which he does multiple, <laughs> <laughs> he does multiple hits with that hammer. It's one of those things you need to see because he first swings it down and then he actually uses his foot to kick it back up. Nice. Yeah. And then he swings for a final hit launching the opponent. Yeah, that one, really happy. It does the most damage out of any of his moves. We wanted to make sure that that hammer really felt good because it's the one time we use it. He does have some taunts that sort of display him using his hammer, which are really nice. But move-wise, that's the one thing. So he is going to feel a bit heavier. He has really high HP. Mm -hmm. He's a defensive character, but he packs a wall up if you can get in there. So that means he's a defender, correct? Yes. And then what's his rarity? Okay, so he is an epic. 
Okay, cool. Yeah, so he's unique sort of size, unique build. This is our first Hyperforce character. We want him to be good. We're aiming for him to be within that meta. We'll see if we hit it. <laughs> you know, <as laughs> always, once it gets into the player's hands, that's a whole different sort of ball game at that point. I had a question about uh, one of the moves you mentioned with the Ram headbutt. Visually, is that similar to Wild Force Black, like his rush? It looks different. Mm -hmm. It's more of this big ram head takes over his own head um, (laughs) rather than sort of like a bull in front of him. Um, And it's more of a straight headbutt rather than ramming at you, if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. All right, cool. And then when can players expect for uh, Hyperforce Yellow to be released? So Hyperforce Yellow comes out Friday, which would be the 5th at noon. You know, at least the time of this recording, a few days away. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I can't wait to play them. I've been kind of rocking out on Shadow Ranger for the past couple weeks. So, oh, nice. <laughs> yeah, just a really great character. And I'm, I'm looking forward to what Jack Thomas brings to the table as Hyperforce Yellow. Yeah, I'm hoping it works out. I really enjoy the Hyperforce series. I don't have any information, fingers crossed, on, on seeing more. I would love to see more. It's a fun thing. And it has an ability to be inventive that it's harder to do on a TV show. You know, trying to bring back the pumpkin wrapper. That's one (laughs) of my favorite moments when uh, Eddie and the pumpkin wrapper have a wrap off, which is (laughs) great. So, yeah, one of my favorite moments, too. Anything else you want to talk about while you're here? We have a lot of stuff coming up. We have Halloween plans sort of in mind. I'm not going to spoil the details of them, but we're doing stuff. But, you know, we have events and things happening. We're going to keep the character releases coming every, nice. you know, two or th- three weeks. There will occasionally be a break, but after Hyperforce Yellow, we also have Titanium coming. Yeah, we're really looking forward to that one. <laughs> we're all pretty big uh, Lightspeed fans. Yeah, I mean, that is, he was the very first, like, Power Rangers specific Ranger, right? That wasn't mm-hmm. in Sentai? Yeah. Yeah, we've been trying to look at sort of his references and then go, okay, so if we could do these moves in 2018, how would they look? and sort of trying to amp that stuff up. So there's a little tease for Titanium. All right, nice. Well, thank you so much, Jesse, for being on the show today. Yeah, thank you for having me. All right, so Chris, Halloween yeah. stuff. <laughs> uh, no, you, you know what? We, I don't say anything. Yeah, yeah, we can, we can, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm generic, you know? Eric, Eric, Let's, let's keep that. Let's keep that. Let's keep that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> You've been listening to the Ranger Command Power Hour, only on the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch a new episode every other Saturday. Find us on the Morphing Grid at www.rangercommand.com. Follow us on Twitter at rangercommandph and like us on facebook.com slash ranger command power hour this is trucky b47 from the ranger command power hour and you are listening to the four-eyed radio network ranger command is now on patreon become a patron by pledging as much or as little as you like every month and receive cool perks by pledging you are helping us make our show even better Go to patreon.com slash rangercommandph to learn more. Thanks. This has been another great presentation by the 4 Radio Network. You can find more information at 4